tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. It doesn't cost you anything if you want to make a call. And Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's uh, show, tomorrow is the shopping extravaganza Black Friday. But uh, is it worth all of the hype? We'll be hearing about a, a gang running through Thurless Town Park. A Tipperary's Drum and Inch Club uh, proposing drug testing for club players. Uh, interesting one that. We'll be chatting about that too. We're farming with uh, Katrina Morrissey of The Journal. And are weight loss injections good for you? We'll be speaking to Muriel Cuddy of uh, Marita 8020. So that's just after 11. We'll also be playing match three on the programme today. If you want to uh, register for that, you can do so now. But match three, along with your uh, details on a text or a WhatsApp. 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. The headlines in your newspapers today, the Irish Examiner leading with uh, cervical check victims treated like lepers. And this is an amazing story. Uh, women impacted by the cervical check scandal are being treated like lepers and are being refused medical appointments because they're members of a campaign group. Can you believe that? Also on the Examiner today, no community can have a veto over who lives in their area. And that's according to the Tonishta, Leo Varadkar. And Mr Varadkar said, while the government should communicate with and inform communities, residents have no inherent right to say whether refugees are housed or not. Now, I'm sure that's going to be a very controversial comment indeed. I wonder what you make of that. To the Irish Daily Mail, hotels putting up refugees are owed millions. And uh, the story there is that hotels across the country are owed millions by the state for providing accommodation for Ukrainian refugees due to payment backlogs. And one hotel in Munster, which is waiting on over €2 million, Euro, have not received a payment since it started accommodating refugees uh, just five months ago. The Irish Independent stop blocking new housing, Martin tells NIMBY objectors and the Taoiseach Michal Martin quoted there. And he's urging homeowners to consider the plight of those seeking to get their foot on the property ladder before objecting to new developments. To the Irish Times, finally, and again, coverage of that uh, um, issue with uh, those um, involved in the cervical check controversy. And also on the Irish Times, um, uh, general uh, positive attitudes in Ireland towards asylum seekers and Ukrainian refugees could change with the uh, potential for racist tensions and confrontation. The government has been warned by an expert group. So that's just a, a look at what's making headlines in some of the uh, newspapers today. Again, if you want to comment on any of that, 83 311 Now, allegations that a gang is running amok in uh, Thurless Town Park, rendering it a no-go area at times, are to be raised with the Gardaí at a meeting with uh, Thurless Templemore Municipal District in December. Independent Councillor Jim Ryan uh, joins me now. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Frank. And good to talk to you today. Now, I know you have to be careful about this because I think <coughs> some aspects of this are in the hands of the Gardaí already. Is that fair to say? 
Yes, Fran, we, we need to be very careful what we say here this morning in case it, it may prejudice any investigations or, or potential prosecutions. But suffice to say, Fran, that there has been a number of very serious assaults in Town Park over the last number of months and this situation needs to change, needs to stop before it gets out of hand and that was the reason why I raised it at this week's District Council meeting. All right, and one overseas student who was seriously assaulted, uh, Jim? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, one, of the, one of the students that comes over from, from Spain every year. Um, so unfortunately, they were in the town park and they were attacked and one of them was seriously assaulted and... You know, the parents had to come over from Spain as a result of it. So it's it's not a very nice situation, not a very nice image to be expressing regarding Tortoise or Tortoise Town Park. But as I said, it's a fabulous facility. We fought long enough for it to come into Tortoise and we just don't want a small element to destroy the good image that it has. Can you tell me a little of the gang? I mean, what's known about them, Jim? Well, they're known to the Gardaí. Uh, that's the first thing. Um basically they're teenagers and they obviously they're in the town park and they prey on very vulnerable uh, teenagers and they cause very serious assaults and very serious injuries and it's not nice and unless this is stopped Fran we're going to face a very serious situation in Torlis so we, we need to nip this in the bud straight away. And is it being overhyped to say that at particular times the Thurlis Town Park is a no-go area? I wouldn't say it's no-go area. and I think that might be exaggerating us or taking it too far. I mean, I'd always encourage people to use Torres Town Park. It's a fabulous facility. and um, We have a Christmas festival coming up there that I'm chairman of that committee very shortly in the town park. And, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call on people not to go in there. I wouldn't say it's not safe. But certainly, if this situation is allowed to go the way it's going, well, then my attitude would change. But at the moment, no, I wouldn't call it a no-go area. This gang of youth, um, how many people are we talking about? Again, Fran, I don't want to say too much about it. And and people may say, well, why are you coming on then? All I know is there is a guard investigation. And I don't want to say something here this morning that could prejudice that case. It is a very very serious situation. Hmm. To answer your question, I don't know. There is a number of youths involved in it. Um, and as I said, they're well known to the Gardaí and I think we need to leave it in the guards of the hands or even the hands of the Gardaí to sort this out because they're the people who are responsible to do so. Right. It wouldn't prejudice the case, though, to tell me, I mean, would this be the same gang of people who would have been drinking in that area and we would have heard complaints about it in the past? Or is this something relatively new, I suppose, is what I'm asking you? No, these are young teenagers, so they wouldn't have been the previous people that uh, I've spoken previously about drinking down the town park. Now, these teenagers may well be drinking, but it is a different different group of uh, people that are involved in this situation, unfortunately. Right. Now, of course, the simple, easy answer to this is to, you know, say, well, why aren't the Gardaí down policing the park? But uh, Councillor Eddie Moran was... Uh, uh, featured on the news there, saying that there's just not enough resources to go around. Fran, we, we've had numerous meetings with the Gardaí in relation to the town park and incidents in the town park. And in fairness, the previous issue you mentioned regarding the people drinking down there, that issue was resolved um, very successfully by the guards. And I'm hoping this situation now will be resolved. But certainly, I will be calling, and when we are meeting the guards, I will be asking them to increase their presence in the town park until this situation has been resolved. Right, because this has escalated now from just a, a recreational situation, even though it was unfortunate with, with drinking and drugs, etc. But now we're talking about violence here. So, like, this this is an escalation. This is a different 
matter completely different matter and you're talking about a situation where, where unfortunately one young teenager ended up in hospital from their injuries received from the beating that they got so that, that cannot happen and cannot be allowed to happen and, and as a public representative and as a parent of children who use that town park I, I wouldn't be comfortable until such, such time as this situation is resolved Alright, um, so when will we hear more on this Jim? Well, we're due to meet the Gardaí at our December meeting of the Taurus Temple Moore Municipal District uh, meeting. So at that stage, it'll be raised with them and hopefully we'll get a, a response back from them um, in relation to what plans they have that they're going to put in place to, to um, I suppose, please the town park a bit more and to ensure these assaults don't take place anymore. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if it helps you, but one listener just texted in to say, Jim, I will not walk through the town park in the day or the evenings and I'm 40 plus. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't want that. And we need to change that situation straight away because it is a fabulous facility. It's right in the town centre, Turles. Uh, we looked for it for so many years. And unfortunately, as I said already, there's a small element in our town that, um, that you know, don't see anything wrong in beating people up or causing antisocial behaviour and giving two fingers to society and, and the guards and the laws and the legislation. So they need to be tackled, they need to be punished. And this sort of situation cannot be allowed to go on. All right. And as far as you know, is there a racist element to this? No, no. They just didn't. They target vulnerable people and easy targets. It doesn't make a difference who you are. They just target you. All right. Before I let you go, Jim, can I just ask you about Bowes Corner? I know everybody's probably tired of it at this uh, yeah. point, but again, it's uh, <clears throat> been brought up lately. I am I passed through there yesterday and I don't get it, Jim, to be honest with you. Like... <laughs> Not to, you're not the only one, Fran, yeah. um, including including the councillors. Like we have our meeting during the week, as you're aware, <coughs> and the situation was raised. And I think all the councillors from Torles outlined our concerns regarding the works that are being carried out there, including myself. And look, the engineers said that you know to give it a chance to see would it work. I know that they've agreed to make a, a number of amendments, a number of changes to the width of the footpaths to see would that make any difference, but. You know, what, what I can see happening here is, is another light of situation here in Torres that time when we were told, leading up to us, that despite our concerns, everything was fine, but at the very minute it was open and implemented, they had to make changes to it. So I'd imagine that once both corners fully open, I can see changes happening. Because uh, looking at it there now, Franny, you don't, you don't need to be you know, an engineer to know that it's just not going to work. And as I said at our district meeting during the week, a lorry driver contacted me. He was coming from Butler Avenue, turning left to go up towards Holy Cross. And he was out on the road and he had to reverse back because he couldn't make the turn. So it's just, I mean, it's just it, not going to work. Like, how would you think, I mean, we're, we're not engineers, okay, let's, let's put that out there. But how would you make a tight situation better by extending footpaths, like, you know? And I don't know. And as you say, I'm not an engineer, but I, I don't think you need to be an engineer to know that that's, at that particular corner, it's a real tight junction. Um Look, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens, but I, I am on record as saying that I don't think it's going to work, to be honest with you. All right. Jim, thanks very much for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning okay, to you. Now, Councillor Jim Ryan there, independent uh, councillor in Thurles, uh, speaking to us. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 Fran is a parent who uses Thurles Park with uh, children. We have at times been intimidated to the point of leaving. We've had them hog swings and the climbing frame to the point of others not being able to use it. My children are 9 and 11 and I would not leave them in the town park on their own under any circumstances. It's such a lovely amenity and it's slowly becoming a no-go area. Shame, says one of our listeners. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Shoppers are expected uh, to spend millions during Black Friday sales uh, this weekend with some stores discounting must-have products by up to 70% in shops across the country. Say it's now uh, the busiest time in retail with a survey from Curry's uh, revealing 91% of shoppers will get the bulk of their Christmas shopping done during that uh, period. Now, there's also that... uh, uh, opportunity on uh, Cyber Monday, which is November 28th uh, as well. Now, one of our listeners, Shannon, got in touch with us on this and joins me now. Shannon, good morning to you. Hi, Fran, how are you? I'm very well indeed and good to talk to you, Shannon. What do you make of Black Friday? I think it's all a big scam, to be honest with do you. Do you? You do. I, I know it's a scam because I worked in retail myself and I know that a couple of weeks before Black Friday, we put the prices up and then bring them back down to a tiny bit below what they originally were. So, genuine bargains, maybe not. It's the optics of it, Shannon, is it? It's just the thrill of it. I think people think, oh my God, I'm getting this magic deal. But it's not really a deal if they were to go looking at that product for a couple of months before it went on sale. That's very interesting. So I presume that's your advice, is it? That you need to track something for a period of time that you're looking for. I did it myself. Um, I would have been mad into Black Friday, you know, when I was 18, 19, and it was new to me. And I used to say, oh, I can't wait for Black Friday. And I used to be falling for all those scams the whole time. But um, then, obviously, I moved out and got my own place and had to budget my money. So I started watching things. And then I realised, this isn't actually a deal. This was cheaper there a few months ago. And would you still benefit from it if you have tracked something? I mean, would you would you still buy on Black Friday? or? Uh, it, it would have to be, like... I would say Amazon or some of the the, the, on, the online ones, Irish. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't go to a shop and buy someone for a television with fifty euro off it when really it's probably only twenty euro off. Yeah, it's interesting. So you're saying to me it's all manipulating the punter, is it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, well. the prices are. You'll even see it in grocery shops, like. I know one particular shop now at the minute they have offers on and they had offers on for Halloween. So the multi-packs of bars and stuff. They started off at like two ninety-five, and then about two weeks before Halloween they went up to four fifty-five, and they went on offer for two for five or something like that. But they were only originally two ninety-five to begin with. So it was it's not a bargain at all, really, because it had been put up. Yeah, for Halloween, yeah. as you say, and it's just gone back down now to the original price. Yeah, that's it. Aren't we awful fools, Shannon? Well, I don't know, really, because it's kind of, it's extortion from the shops, really, because I suppose maybe they have to, they have to make a profit margin, obviously, but they just think people don't realise this, and there is only a handful of people that would realise that, because, you know, you flash it up on a big sign, 70% off, and people think, oh my God, that's a great deal. But it isn't in reality. 
Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Um, the the only thing I'd have much knowledge of would be buying um, musical gear. And I was looking at it last night uh, because I knew we were going to chat about this today. And they're, they're calling stuff bargains. But because I would have tracked stuff, say, for the last year, um, I can't see any real bargains at all. No, and that's because you've tracked it. But like an average person now that wakes up today and logs in that mightn't have checked it last week would think, Oh Jesus! I know something might be two thousand last week, and yeah. it might be seventeen hundred this week. But if you checked it a couple of months ago, it might have only originally been seventeen hundred. And there's no sort of policing of this, I guess, either. No, no. I've never seen or heard of it anyway. Right. Okay, so no knuckles can be wrapped uh, about this, I, I, I suppose. Yeah. So your advice, Shannon, to people out there would be what? To keep an eye if you're looking for something, especially with Christmas coming up. I always start my Christmas shopping around August, um, and I watch for prices and I wait and I wait, and things will, will go on offer just randomly. Like you don't have to wait for Black Friday, and you'll probably get better deals if you do your shopping slowly over time instead of trying to buy it all on a day where it's sensationalised. All right, well, that's very good advice as far as I can see. Anyway, Shannon, good morning to you and thank you for coming on with me today. Thank you, good Thanks, morning. have a good day. Well, you too, Shannon, thank you. Siobhan McGuire is a consumer journalist and founder of TalkRight and she joins me now. Siobhan, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. I have to say, Shannon is a woman after my own heart. Um, couldn't, I couldn't agree more with her there. Are you serious? You were saying to Emma, I know, that um, it's a festive farce as far as you're concerned. A hundred percent. So Black Friday started out quite innocently. You know, one of one of these many things we inherit from the, the United States, Fran, mm. uh, good, bad or indifferent, and started out as, you know, a, a, a deal day. And then it's extended to Cyber Monday. So we had a like kind of, kind of weekend-long uh, event. And then it started at the beginning of November. So we have a month of mindless consumerism where at every turn, even listening, you know, on, on, on your own station, you'd hear ads for Black Friday. Mm. We're mm. repeatedly told, buy, buy, buy. There are bargains to be had left, right and centre. And as Shannon pointed out there, that's not the case. What is happening in a lot of cases is that items are, are, you know, presented as a really good deal. But in actual fact, and there's been myriad research by various organisations over the last few years um, that, that look at items, and items have gone up in price in advance of Black Friday, only so a little bit can be shaved off the top of the price to make it seem like it has come down and it actually is a bit of a bargain. Okay, it's so cynical, isn't it? And, so, and, and yeah. is there any way, I put this to Shannon as well, Siobhan, is there any way of policing this or does anybody police this or are any laws being broken by this? Well, so the European Commission, are they're really on top of um, things like online shopping mm. fans. So they do have stipulations now in place that, you know, you can't sell a pup, basically. You know, if you're giving a, a consumer an idea that this is an all-singing, all-dancing bargain and you're saving 50 quid, and my goodness, you'd be crazy not to purchase this item, that has to be the case. It has to be the case that within a certain amount of time, that item was 
50 euro in the run-up to you actually claim, 50 euro more in the run-up to you claiming you're, you're taking that price down. And you can't be seen to be putting up the price. So there's a little bit more uh, strengthening of the rules. But what it comes down to, and again, I go back to Shannon, because that lady is very, very savvy mm. and smart mm. on this topic. It comes down to the individual and realising that, you know what, just because there's, you know, there's, there's a pair of socks half price that I don't actually need, you have to go back into that little part of the brain that loves the, the, the feeling of getting a bargain and, and tell yourself, I actually don't need them. And I presume you also agree with that notion of tracking something for some time and then you'll know whether or not something is a, a genuine bargain or not. Exactly. There's a fantastic consumer group in the UK, uh, Fran, called Which. And they do um, loads of research into Black Friday, year in, year out. And in uh, um, in Black Friday 2021, they basically watched all the big retailers, the likes of, say, Amazon and John Lewis and uh, Argos and Currys, like lots of, lots of um, retailers we'd have here in Ireland. And they found that uh, in an analysis of more than 200 offers last Black Friday, 98% of them were cheaper or the same price at other times in the year. Right. So you know, it, it says it all, really. I mean, that you can that that you have a retailer saying buy, buy, buy. This is a massive bargain, but in actual fact, it's not. And uh, that survey from Curry's, and you may you alluded to them there in in your conversation with me. Ninety one percent of shoppers will get the bulk of the Christmas shopping done during this period. So people are taken in by this. Yeah. Now, I think I think as well. So, I the Irish consumer is a lot more clever than we give them credit for, Fran. And and our our shopping habits have changed over the years. So traditionally, yes, Christmas is around the corner. So what are we going to do in November? We're going to shop. It doesn't mean we're going to fall for for the bargains of old. We might have done in previous years, but in actual fact. Um, and as Shannon, gosh, you didn't need me on today, Fran. You, you We're delighted to have you on, Shannon. <laughs> but as Shannon said, I mean, she started her shopping in, in August and September. And, and anecdotal evidence shows that that's exactly what the Irish shoppers have done this year. I spoke to somebody in March of this year and they were, were caught by the supply chain um, issues last year. And they were terribly afraid for Santa and if Santa would be able to get stuff this year. And um, so Christmas, some Christmas shopping was done far earlier in the year for that person. I think, I think August, September is the starting point now because we're in the grips of cost of living crisis. We're all feeling the pinch. Um, and so a lot of us are kind of spreading the cost just to make sure that Christmas isn't an absolute nightmare. And indeed, you know, the following January, where we're all hit with our credit card or mm. bank bank mm. statements, um, that we haven't overextended ourselves. Um, some information, I think you might have furnished it to, to Emma, in fact, um, that plays into what you're saying, that we are smarter than we might think, because four out of five of us uh, likely to buy will research discounts and over half don't trust the accuracy of the discount information, Siobhan. That's exactly it, yeah. I mean the, the, the Competition and Consumer um, Commission, Consumer Protection Commission um, released really good research in the run-up to all of this earlier this month and you know they, they have found that consumers 
are are quite sharp on the topic of Black Friday and Cyber Monday because because of what's happened in previous years and because of all this research that now shows that a retailer um, telling us something is is a fantastic deal might not actually be the case. Um, another point in all of this is that a lot of retailers, not all of them, but some, will look at stock that isn't selling or old stock that has been sitting on the shelves for a long time and roll all this stock out as the, the kind of the bargains to be had. It's a way for them to get rid of the stuff that's not making them a profit. But yeah, that particular research is, is very good because it does it does signify that uh, people are thinking about this a lot more. They're not trusting the accuracy of discount information and they are taking it all in before they make, decide to make that purchase. We're always advising people in as far as they can to, to shop local. Um, what about that by comparison to what's available online and uh, the like, Siobhan? Because at the end of the day, money is scarce, I suppose. Money is scarce. Um, now, in your own locality, you will know the value of shopping local because you'll know, you'll know the person you know, that's running the store. So you like to give them a bit of business. And that's going to continue for a lot of people this year because there, there's that kind of feeling of comfort of being able to spend in a place that you trust and know and um, you know you like dealing with that particular person. Online shopping will still be massive this year. Yes, the bricks and mortar will have a, a certain amount of loyalty following them in terms of purchases mm. but online will still be huge and that's for a very good reason. We saw that with the back to school purchases this year for example Fran. There was a lot more spending online purely because for a lot of people in rural Ireland in particular, it was actually cheaper to buy online, have the goods delivered free of charge in a lot of cases, than have to fill the car, travel in, um, fill the car again and get home. It was just too expensive an expedition. Can I finally ask you about the notion of the flexible payment option? Because you might see something that you, you, even if you've done your research, yep, that's a bargain, but I'll use flexible payments to get it. But at the end of the day, it's false economy, I guess, is it? Oh, Fran, this breaks my heart because we see it, and particularly on clothing uh, online shops, you have these these companies, and they're not bad companies, they're not doing anything illegal, but they are giving you the option to have an item that you clearly can't afford because you have to pay it back in instalments. You need to be so careful. I mean, the bottom line is, if you, the money is not there to buy that item, spreading the cost is only going to get you into debt. Now, a lot of these companies won't add on interest, but there are other companies, and you read the small print, and oh my goodness, you know, that the couch you could be buying over a period of six months might have up to 240% interest oh on God. it. You need, you need to read the terms and conditions. You need to be really careful. And, and these, these um, items that you can buy and then pay back, very popular with, with um, you know, younger age groups, 18 upwards uh, to like early 20s, because, you know, these are students who probably don't have a steady income and uh, and still want to take part in the, you know, the gift-giving process, but really they, they need to come with a big warning. If we haven't done our shopping at this stage for Christmas, Siobhan, a final piece of advice to people would be what? Make that list, Fran. Um, I... I 
do not do my Christmas shopping, whether online or going into the shop, without having that list. And I don't allow myself to be diverted by these multi-deals or buy one, get one free or, you know, 70% off, unless it's an item I was already looking for. We're bamboozled. Every single ad on telly is telling us Christmas is around the corner and we need to buy, buy, buy. The UK ads, by comparison, are actually taking a different turn this year. They're telling people, Fran, it's it's more about giving back and it's more about uh, being conscious of the fact that people don't have as much money this year. And I think that's the message Irish people could definitely get their heads around because, you know, 2023, economy-wise, isn't looking that good on a, on a global scale. You have Jeff Bezos who runs Amazon last week, a billionaire telling people to, you know, not buy the large items on Black Friday because it's not looking great in 2023. Now, you know you're, you've a big problem on your hands if a billionaire is telling you to tighten sure. your belt. Siobhan, it was a pleasure to talk to you and have a great Christmas and thank you for your time this morning, Siobhan. Thank you, Fran. Thank pleasure you. as thank always. You. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. That's Siobhan McGuire there, consumer journalist and founder of Talk Right. And uh, great to talk to her today. Babs was on to say, uh, Shannon is spot on. I look into every uh, purchase every year. There's no such thing as 70% off. I bought something for €20, went back and it says €30, gone down to €20. So there you go. There's an example of it for you, I suppose. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, welcome back to Tip Today. One of my favourite musicians, Mary Rose McNally, was on to me to uh, advise me that there's a gala evening of music and song at Thurless uh, Cathedral on Sunday week, December 4th. It's the Thurless Cathedral Choir along with the Clanmel Concert Band. So it sounds like a lovely occasion. It's half past seven in the cathedral. As I said, admission is free, but donations uh, greatly appreciated on the night uh, towards the cathedral re-roofing project. So put that in your diary if very fine music is uh, your thing. Uh, Fran, we're living in rip-off Ireland for years. Uh, if you go back about six summers ago, we had a washout summer, so they told us that bread prices went up as a result, but they never came back down, says Kay. Uh, another person saying, Fran, I was in a local furniture store. I was looking at a chair for my special needs son. The chair was €99 Euro before the sale. Went to the shop to see had it gone down in the sale. It was, in fact, higher. It was €120. Euro. I lived in America and I'm married to an American and we have no such thing here as Black Friday. Um, many of the shops getting rid of last year's stock, says uh, B. That's interesting because I thought it was uh, an American tradition that we had uh, imported here, but uh, there you go. Somebody else saying, I was watching a Michael Kors jacket for a month. It was €200. Euro. I bought it yesterday in the Black Friday sale. €69, Euro, so I got my bargain. So it does work for some people along the way. All right, uh, let me see. Uh, Jim is with me. Good morning to you, Jim. Fran, how are you doing? I'm very well indeed. Jim, you think there's a bigger scam going on than Black Friday. What is it, Jim? Yes, indeed. Um, it refers to meat, primarily. Um, have you bought 
chops lately and fry them yourself, Fran. I haven't, but I wouldn't be much of a cook now, to be honest mm. with you, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Um, you see, we normally we grill stuff and we're trying to stay safe. Like, yeah. Fry, fry some of the chops, get some of those big chain stores. And well, there's more water on the bloody pan than there is at now. And the same with steak and the same with chicken. So they're being injected, you're saying to me, with water? Absolutely, they have to be. Because um, I was speaking with my brother and he said, buy from the butchers because they don't inject the meat. Now, whether this is true or not, I don't know, but I haven't bought from the butchers. We try and get deals the whole time. But the amount of water, friend, that comes out of something when you try and fry it is something else. Yeah, when I knew you were coming on, Jim, I had a look at this, and it's 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 called plumping. And it is injecting water, particularly into poultry. To uh, Now, what they say is it's to make it juicier and to enhance the flavour and stuff, but sure, it's just to make it, make it bigger. <laughs> yeah, it? and we're paying for that weight. My God. And, and back down to the deals again, Fran. Um, talking about Black Friday, there was a, a deal in one of the stores there not too long ago. Say, for example, it was strip-line steak, which mm. I like. Mm. And one of those weighs 400 grams normally. Two in a packet will be 400 grams. But there was a, a deal in one of those stores for two strip-line steaks at a reduced price. But of course, I examined everything and mm. I found out that there was only 600 grams in there. So it was no deal whatsoever. That's one side of the thing. On the other side, if you go along to buy stuff in any of the stores and look at the prices on the shelves, the first thing you'll see is possibly, say, say a deodorant, for example. I yes. got caught bad one time. One fifty. Yeah. I went up to the checkout and it was still two fifty. Um, and when I challenged the young lady over it, she said, it's one fifty off. So I went back down and looked. 150 in big print and in tiny print beside it. You'd need binoculars to see it. Well, I, I just said off. 150 off. Didn't give the real price of the of the article. Now, that's a scam in anybody. You see, and, and an awful lot of people aren't vigilant like yourself, Jim. Uh, Jim, I know that I'm not. I go in and I pick up and I, I take for granted whatever they're saying to me. Yeah, but well, you, 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 have to be, you have to be watching, haven't you? Absolutely. You see, I got to be a bit wise about that kind of stuff, but buy stuff online and stuff and check in. Yeah. Um, anything I would buy online, first of all, I would go into Amazon and check the reviews on that particular item. Right. Regardless of whether it was on eBay or independent retailers, I, I, you get great reviews on, on, on Amazon. So I would always be in the same product uh, into Amazon and check the reviews to see what it was like. So you do your research, Jim? Oh, absolutely. So now I've gone very... Astute when it comes to buying stuff in stores and things, I, I always check the prices. And we are being totally ripped off. Do you now, know, there are bargains now and again. But maybe you know this already, and maybe I'm preaching to the converted here, but I was just reading a line here, and if you don't know this, this is going to shock you. Many of the pre-packed chickens can be up to, wait for this, 45% water. Yeah, yeah. And some lamb pre-packed is 14% water. Richard, that's, yeah. that's unbelievable. Yeah, but see, that's what we're paying for, Fran. We're paying for water. For the weight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and apparently it's legal. Now, how, how that can be right beats me. Right. I, I think probably why is because their excuse is that it improves, wait for this, it improves the juiciness and the tenderness after cooking, Jim. Not at all, Fran. If you've ever got a chicken direct from a farm, 
I said, there's nothing like it. Oh, absolutely. Nothing and then like they come it. on and tell us that the water... That's a load of baloney, if ever I heard. A load of baloney. Just ripping us no, off. Absolutely, totally and absolutely. And I love doing a bit of cooking. But to see that kind of cutology going on, it frees me out. Yeah. You, your advice to people then, I guess, is, is the same as what uh, Siobhan was saying earlier on. Um, you know, you need to shop around. You need to do absolutely. your own research, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, those, those strip line stakes have gone up from 525 to 679. Good God. Yeah. And, and some jump. And what about Black, what about Black Friday? Will they be, will they be gone says, down? Says, in this country, it's a total scam. Yeah. So you, you won't be shopping Black Friday or Cyber Monday then? No, you? I, I would, I would, I would, so, uh, absolutely, suss out everything a thousand times before I would buy well, I think that's extremely good advice, particularly to me, Jim, because I'm as lazy about stuff like that. I just pick something <laughs> up and, you know. It's, uh... Yeah, and then check the date. Always check the date, the expiry date. Now, they are to use by, they're just a date, a guide. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't use them by that date. But um, check the date and generally go in behind for, for the fresher stuff. There's, a, there's an, an idea. Just explain that to me now, Jim. Go in behind. Yeah, like you go to buy, say, for, so for example, sausages. Okay. The first thing you do is look at the expiry date and and then go into the back of the shelf and look for um, longer expiry date if they're not going to be used immediately. And is that the way it's displayed, is it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I worked in a shop for three and a half years. I know how it's So you know the story. And I presume it's the same with bread, for example. Oh, Absolutely. It would be, but generally bread is more uh, delivered every day. Yeah, so you might be only a day out in that. But again, back to the sausages, Fran, if you want to get good sausages, good meat content, look at the back of it and look at the ingredients and look at the percentage of, of pork that's in the sausage. Some are only 50%, some are 60 some are 70 some are up to 80%. I dread to think what the rest of it is, but I won't even think about that if you don't mind. <laughs> Jim, great to talk to you. Have a great Christmas, Jim. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's Jim speaking to us there. Now, yesterday we spoke to a few of our listeners who shared their heartwarming uh, moments and stories of their grandkids. Well, Therese was in touch and Therese joins me now. Good morning to you, Therese. Good morning. And lovely to talk to you today. Thank you. You, you, you go along with what emerged yesterday, which mm-hmm. is that love for a grandchild. It, it's another level of love altogether, Therese. Yeah. I mean, when you have your own children, and until you have a child, you don't understand that that love. It's unreal for your own children, I'd say. And you, you could explain all your life, but you you don't understand unless you have children of your own. Yes. And <clears throat> then when you have grandchildren, that's a kind of a lunacy love, as I call it. it, it just say because that to me again, it's a kind of a what? A lunacy. A Is lunacy. it a lunacy? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yes. It's because you're so busy with your own children because your guys, you send them to sport. You're kind of taking care of them, yes. you know, you're, so that their future is better. You want them to do better than you, like most parents. Yeah. You think they get the softer job with the bigger pay and shorter hours and longer holidays. Yeah. Do you know that kind yeah. of thing? You're into the sport. So, but when you come to your grandchildren, you don't have that part of the responsibility. So you can go mad there, spending and having fun and. <clears throat> You, no have, you have more time. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know yeah. in your case, you have a grandchild, but she's in Australia, I think. She is. Is, is that yeah, difficult yeah. for you, Therese? I, it is, yeah. They, I've been over when she was born for eight weeks, and they're home for six. So, 
I had hours of fun in and out of my car for two hours playing. She was taking me to school and oh, to a shop and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, they the greatest of the time. But you know, it's just heartbreaking. But they have to live their life too. You know, and yeah. make their own plans. You now, know, Liam but, was but, telling me about using technology and uh, the like. Do you keep in touch <laughs> with with videos? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, do that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be tech savvy now, but the WhatsApp is fantastic. I must say. Yeah. Know, so. <clears throat> Other than that, sure, I suppose we're lucky there, luckier than years ago when you were, they went, you know, it was letter writing. And, yes, but you of can course. see them, you know. Of but course. it still isn't the same as the um, personal touch, you know, the, the oh. hugs and the kisses. Absolutely. Right. And I suppose yeah. particularly at Christmas, Therese, it'll be... You know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. sure. You know, we can say hello and hope for the best. Maybe in the future they might come home. Yeah, it's, it's, we we did this as a kind of a one-off chat, you know, but I couldn't believe the reaction we got to it, and and all grandparents with the same same yeah, story yeah. that it's a it's a different kind of a love, but it's very intense. Oh. And you described it oh, yourself yeah. as lunacy. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, and but not only it keeps you kind of you know looking forward. And, you know, somebody said there when you're sick, it's no harm for children to see somebody that's ill. It teach them, can teach them the responsibility of taking care. You know, it's a full circle. It's like the circle of life. When they're young, you take care. So when you're getting old, it comes to their turn to, I suppose, give back a bit, which a lot of grandchildren would do. What a lovely, you know, what a lovely you know. notion. And it teaches them <laughs> empathy then. Yeah, yeah, and about the circle of life, yeah. and, you know, you know that kind of thing. And yeah. that, So, I mean, that's the one thing. But you'd, until you have them, you don't, you, you know, it's trying to explain, you know, about being a parent to somebody, there's no point because until they have them, it doesn't click. I remember I, I've said it a few times when my daughter was born. I mean, I thought I knew what it was to, you know, love or that's oh, but, yeah, but yeah. it's a whole different. I mean, it's you can't even describe it properly, Therese. You know, no, no. Feeling. I um, I told the priest one time I'd sell my soul to the devil for my children if something was wrong. You know, to make it right. <laughs> and what, what did he say? <laughs> what did he, he say to you? And I just looked and I said, you'll never understand. I said, but that's just one way of putting it. And sure, how know. could he understand? I mean, he couldn't, you know, unless you have them, as you know, you know, you think your friends with them, you say they're idiots and this, that, yeah. and yours are right. And sure, yeah. yours are, like, it's all perfect and wonderful. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> as my late mother, mother-in-law used to say, every crow thinks their own is the blackest. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it was, and it's nice to hear of that continuation, you know. Isn't it, is it, how many grand, yeah. is it just one you have, Therese? Only the one at Only the moment. The right. no, yeah, yeah, right. but sure, yeah. We live in hope. Right, no. <laughs> absolutely, indeed. <laughs> and are they due to come home at any point of next year, or? Uh, no, they've just bought a home, so, oh, right. you know, okay. you know, but you're looking, he's the cheap man as well, so hopefully, you know. Yeah, it's she, an investment, I suppose, you know. And absolutely, that, you know, and you never know. And w- yeah, would, you, so would, you, would you travel out yourself, you? It's a long journey, but I never think that far ahead, sure. You never know yeah. what happens tomorrow, you know, and that, you know, yeah. you have to keep hope alive, whatever it is, you know. Uh, so haven't you just? You know, definite, definite plans sometimes are not, you know, ideal, you know. Of course. Change. Of course. Yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Therese, lovely to talk to you today, and well, I wish you, you very wish you the very best, and thank you for and your time this morning. Not at all. Have a thank good day. You bye-bye. T- you too. Bye-bye to you now. 1800 938 007.
Uh, Fran, I always said you don't know love until you have your own children, if you're lucky enough, that is, to have uh, children. I'd certainly uh, go along with that. Um, Barry was on to say, I hate how chicken in particular is pumped up with water. I don't know how it's allowed or who approves it. Uh, Board Bia is not for purpose, it says. I go to the butcher as much as I can, um, but the prices are different and it seems to be off the top of his head daily so I'm reducing my visit to the butcher uh, sadly says uh, Barry uh, Fran talking about meat I read there recently on a magazine that uh, comes in the independent that a lot of butchers here in Ireland are using dried imported blood from Brazil to make black pudding I was absolutely shocked I almost assumed it was from abattoirs here uh, why would they need to do this and it should be put on the packaging, knowing how people are incensed about Brazilian meat coming in here. It would definitely make me think twice about buying it, says one of our listeners. News and information is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. And you're very welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp, 083-311-3311. And of course, you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com at any time at all. We're almost uh, delighted uh, to hear from you. Uh, there are people selling chicken stating they are from farms, and this is just not the case. Chicken from farms are as scarce as hen's teeth, it says here. Austin has tuned our way in the UK and says, uh, 100% agree with your caller, Jim. Tons of water have been pumped into these things. Try frying, frying a basic rasher or a steak. Five minutes later, pools of goddamn water in the pan. It's shameful and it ruins stuff as well. So I didn't realise this is as big a problem as it appears to be. But you might want to share your experiences with us. 83 311 Now, Tipperary GA Club Drum and Inch are proposing drug testing be extended from inter-county level to clubs on an appropriate scale. And now, according to Rule 1.16 of the GAA's official guide, Part 1, all GAA players are subject to anti-doping rules as adopted by Sports Ireland. Now, to promote their healthy club initiative and prevent the use of performance-enhancing and recreational drugs, drugs uh, the club want to ensure and that testing is expanded. Now, Drummond Inch Secretary is Trevor Hassett, who joins me now. Trevor, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you for coming on with me today. What led to the club taking this decision, Trevor? Well, look, I suppose, it is like everything, um, we all know there's uh, probably an unpopular trend coming into sight for the use of both recreational and maybe further field performance-enhancing drugs. Um, we, I suppose, we're, we're currently a healthy club as part of the GA initiative, and it was probably something that, on the back of Red Downey-Earl's motion at Congress last year, that we sort of wanted to get the, the topic talked about again and, like, to, to something that, you know, 
the current the current image out there of say at athletes uh, the way the game has gone, especially hurling football now, it is nearly club club uh, sport is probably gone to a, a new level. And I suppose the image is there now that you have to be carry all this muscle and be powerful and all this and the the pressures on, on the younger members of society is, is something that's probably worrying and I suppose if if you're a, a teenager coming out a minor, um I suppose you're trying to make your, your, your club's great highest grade team and the pressures are there probably to, you know, put on a bit of muscle mm-hmm. and if you can find a way probably to cheat the system through performance enhancing drugs you know, the likelihood is that you may take one or two things if you think they're going to help you, but this is something that we want to try and disencourage, I suppose. Yes. And, and you have know. you particular concern about drug use within the club, for example, Trevor? Um, no, look, we're we're not um, we're not uh, putting our head in the sand or anything about it. We're not saying that we have an issue. We're, we're not saying we haven't an issue. We're mm. not saying that there is or isn't an issue in County Tipperary. This is across the country. Like, I mean, mm. this is something that... Um, it, it seems to be getting more and more prevalent. I mean, number of deaths in the past couple of years regarding the taking of recreational drugs. Mm. We we really want to put out an image that, you know, it, it's not really welcome to take performance-enhancing drugs, number one. Um, you know, we can't do anything about anyone doing recreational drugs. That's not our game. We just look after our own, that mm. in preparing athletes for our games, that, that it's done in a safe manner. I thought that these rules were actually in place, but is it a case that they're just not policed in some way, Trevor? Yeah, so look, the, the rule is in place at the moment, but the the, the onus lies at Sport Ireland and I suppose it's it's the GA can't really, their, their hands are slightly tied as regards what they can do they can enforce the ruling, but um, it seems to be that the, the testing is only going on at inter-county level at the moment. Hmm. Um, so like, look, while we know trying to implement what we're trying to put across is something that may not happen or maybe it may take a while longer. I mean, the motion from our down here last year was deferred back to a health and well-being committee in the GA. Um, now we've we've liaised with certain aspects of the GA, and look, the, the, the research is ongoing. You know, they're putting different educational programs together. Like we're not out here to put people trying to put people out of the game. At the mm. end of the day, mm. uh, they're all amateurs and mm. they're all playing our games. And we the last thing we want is to put up barriers. But it's it's trying to promote a healthy environment for families to let their kids go and play our game. I spoke with a gentleman you know well, the great Tipperary legend uh, John Lahey, um, earlier on this year, and he was warning uh, about cocaine use, in particular being widely used among GAA players. I mean, that obviously would be a concern to somebody like yourself, Trevor. Look, there's a concern to everybody, Fran. But as I say again, that's probably not the, it's not the, the substance we're trying to, we're not trying to ban. Um, obviously, we don't condone it. But at the same time, like, we have not got the right to tell anyone that they can take recreational drugs. Right. But, I mean, if you're drug testing, that would show up, would it not? Uh, without without, um, without knowing the full ins and outs, I don't know. I presume it would. I presume uh, it would. Yeah. But it's more, it's more so the, the performance-hensing substance, like maybe steroids and testosterone, this sort of thing that lads are taking. Lads are doing heavy gym work. You know, that sort of stuff that they feel needed to drive them on to give them the extra age over someone else. Right. How how would the drug testing work as far as you'd be concerned? I mean, if you if you were in charge of rolling this out, Trevor, how, how would it actually work? Well, sure, look, um, that's why I'm only here as a secretary of a club in, in Tipperary. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Regarding uh, the inter-county one, it's probably, it's worked based on 
you know, it is random. And um, Sports Ireland are liable to turn up unannounced anywhere mm. on any given day. Um, and, and how does it work? Because forgive my ignorance on this, but can they turn up at somebody's home, for example? Or how does that no, work? No, no, no. That 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 wouldn't be possible, and that shouldn't be possible. I mean, somebody, all these people, you know, they they have jobs, they have lifestyles outside of GA. Yeah, you know, yeah. We would not want to number one put added pressures like that on people that you know they're dreading that someone's going to turn up to their house looking for a, a blood test or a, a urine sample. This. You know, it, it seems this is strictly, and like might I say, the intercounty players, they, there's a, a monetary grant there, which is an agreement between Sports Ireland and the GA. So that's sort of the, I suppose, the leverage mm. that mm. they agree to get, that the, they can be tested in competition. So like, look, yeah. that's probably something that's not going to fall down as far as the club player. So therefore then, they're only amateurs at the end of the day. And, and, and that's the point because some people might say it's unfair to put what would seem to be professional standards on amateur uh, players, Trevor. I mean, you know. Well, look, that's, you know, the way the Tipperary scene hurling football, intermediate, Premier Intermediate, everyone now is trying to get to the next level to try to get an upper hand on everyone else. And that's the way the competition has gone. Like, all the standards seem to be gone that bit higher. Mm. Like, you know, currently, I'd say club hurling is probably he's probably just slightly five years behind the current inter-county mm. uh, standards. And that's gone, that's gone to a whole new level altogether, like nearly a professional yes. setup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what kind of sanctions would you be talking about, I mean, if a player fails a test? What? Well, look, sanctions, as I said, a secretary in Roman ancient Tipperary isn't going to be one that's going to put out the sanctions. And as I said... I know, but I presume you would have thought about it, Trevor. Well, we look, we've talked to a certain degree, as I said, they've liaised with co mm. uh, officials just regarding the ins and outs of it. I don't know. There's a rule book there. I presume there's somewhere in it that, uh, that I don't know, even already is it in it to probably be a time, a time ban or otherwise. Mm. But at the same time, it's not... Oh, Although oh, sanctions might al- already exist, you're saying to me, is that they it? May al- they may already exist, okay. yes. All yes. right. Of course, the big issue for... for players that we keep hearing about has to be alcohol, you know, which I know it's not a performance enhancing uh, drug but it certainly is an issue and it comes up every time that there's celebrations Trevor. That's true that's true and as I said and I'll go back to it again, we with our current motion are more so trying to tailor the performance enhancing substances as opposed to the recreational because as I said these players are all amateurs it's very hard to say you can or you can't do anything outside in your own time outside of club time and that's not something that we're trying to we're not trying to enforce something like that at all or even we're not trying to get any players banned we're simply trying to put out an awareness mm. amongst the younger generation that this is an unhealthy lifestyle mm. whether it be recreational performance enhancing but more so we can only aim at the performance enhancing on our part of the GA club all right, but overall, I think you're you're going to have a lot of people backing you on this and thinking it's a good idea. Have you had anything negative to you about it, uh, Trevor? Look, um, I suppose, friend, it's like everything in society now. For every for every eight good comments, you'll have five and six and seven yeah. uh, lads who will be just trying to just put you down. Right. We just want to get, we want to get the conversation started again and get people talking about it, and maybe at a higher level, something might become of it. I right. mean, but I do you have resistance within the club, for example? Not that I'm aware of. Not no, that I'm aware of. No, no. Okay. We, this was agreed uh, unanimously at a club executive meeting. It was yeah. brought forward into the county November meeting. It's going forward to the county convention. Um, the, the wording of the ruling, it may only come across as a recommendation going forward. Yes. We don't know. 
But look, we're willing to get get it being talked about again. That's the most important thing. Oh well, fair play for putting your heads uh, above the trenches where this is concerned. And thanks for talking to me, Trevor. We wish you well no, and, no and to the club as well. Thanks very much indeed, Trevor. Thank you. Bye bye. You know, uh, Secretary of Tipperary's Drummond Inch. Uh, there, Trevor Hassett speaking to me. How do you feel about that? 1800 Somebody telling me they got a great bargain in stakedoms of thirds. <laughs> this is uh, harking back to our conversation about Black Friday and bargains and all of that. And uh, I won't give out the detail uh, of your bargain, but it certainly looks to me like being a great bargain. Indeed. I love this one, though. And this, again, looks back at our conversation about grandparents and grandchildren and all of that. Hi friend, my mum has 55 grandchildren and 32 great grandchildren and she loves every single one of them. Isn't that fantastic? 55 grandchildren and 32 great grandchildren. Now I can only imagine what Christmas must be like. Uh, We'll take a break back with more. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. Today, 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Hmm, welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Liam uh, describes himself as a Kilkenny man living, I uh, beg your pardon, a Tipperary man living in Kilkenny. But he says, uh, in relation to not enough Gardaí and only 28 Garda students last year, uh, following on from the disgusting incident in Ballyfermot recently, would you encourage your son or daughter to join the Gardaí? Once an honourable career, now your life is at stake every single day. Yeah, well, Matty McGrath, I know, brought this up uh, recently and he was making those points as well. I certainly wouldn't like a son or daughter to be in the Gardaí at uh, the moment, for sure. Let's go to another Liam now. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today, Liam. You have some questions for Tipperary County Council. I have, Fran. Uh, what it started was this morning at six o'clock. I was coincidentally listening to ITV, and the vegans in uh, in in Britain are promoting the idea of don't eat turkey for Christmas. And, I, and as a farmer, uh, I was going, oh my God, you know, like mm. the turkey is already reared and ready to go. Like I mm. mean, this this promotion of the vegans kind of annoyed me. But as I was passing through Castlecomer a few minutes later, I see the council putting up all these lights, mm. and quite a lot of lights, you know. And I was just, the question I want to ask all county councils, including Tipperary County Council, um, are there going to be conservatives this year in relation to the lights, the Christmas lights and the streets? Are they going to go along and be in sympathy with others? Like, take... Take, for example, Ukraine, they have no hard to lose lights, gas or water. We should show by example ourselves as a nation. And I believe, even though while it costs millions and millions in ESB bills every year for the whole of Ireland for lighting up Christmas, can we be conservative this year? Can we, like, reduce or uh, restrain from putting up lights at all? I know Christmas is a joyful time for children and all like mm-hmm. that. And I'm not intention of totally spoiling it. But if we had no gas or oil in the morning, we'd have no light anyway. So why can't we yeah. start now and be conservative and reduce wastage? Yeah, I've heard several 
conversations around this. Some people saying that, you know, the amount of lighting up would be limited in some way. But still, I also hear about arguments all over the country about not enough lighting um, being up and not being up soon enough. So, you know, I, I, I don't no, think no, that's I, being taken on board, really, to be honest, Liam. So, so are you thinking of Christmas lighting or street Christ- lighting? I, I beg your pardon, Christmas lighting I'm thinking right, of. Right. And, and well, indeed Christmas lighting as well, yeah. yeah, or, yeah ordinary lighting, yeah. Yeah, because you've hit a very valid point. Um, there's a, a housing estate that was built here. It's about three kilometres out from the city, and uh, Brook Lawn. And the house was built 40 years ago, and there was never a footpath or never a light. From At the moment now, for the last few weeks, there's 32 lights being installed along the, there, and they're on night and day. Now, then people lived in houses for 40 years and had no footpath or no lighting. And now we have 32 street lights. That's the way. But how, how do you mean on during during the day, you're saying? I mean? No, no, I mean all night. Oh, all night. I mean, okay. oh, yeah, yeah. They yeah. come on at four, 4 o'clock in the evening and they're on until 8 o'clock in the morning. To me, like, for 40 years passing in and out there, no lights. Mm. And now suddenly we have 32 lights on one way out. It's only outdoor houses. It's a couple of kilometres out from the actual city itself. But, uh, but the people uh, were probably fighting for that lighting for 40 years. Oh, then. no, no, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. saying 32 in that small stretch. Mm. In, in, in the area where the footpath is, it's probably the length of a, a hurling pitch. Mm. But there's 32 lights all along that. Now, if there was 16 lights, they'd still be able to see there's 32 and that's all over the country it's not just in in, in any yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation because as you well know over the last few months I mean we were hearing rumours that there might even be blackouts uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, this yeah. winter and stuff and you're saying to me that we're ignoring all of that don't we? we're adding oh, totally. in fact to the oh, draw totally. on the grid Oh, absolutely, totally. And, and I mean, the councils are, are guilty of this more than anybody. And when I use the word councils, I mean government mm. councils, mm. The, the whole lot. Those that have control, yes. uh, they're not taking on board. But, but in fairness, Liam, do you not think that there would be a, a, a huge row if if uh, a local authority said, no, we're not going to put up uh, decor- uh, lighting this year because of, you know, energy well, worries and all of that? Well, well, well. There's two ways of looking at it, and the first way is uh, Russia decides no gas or no oil, so we have no electricity whatsoever. We can't even run our working stations or whatever. Ireland is black. That's one way of looking at. It. Another way of looking at it is conserve. Mm. Instead of putting up ten thousand lights along the street, why not only put up one thousand? Because you know yourself there's 10,000 bulbs going up and down through Nina as we speak or Clonmel as we speak. You know that for a fact. Temporary cash. But as I say, businesses and ordinary people calling for even more to be done, you know? Uh, well, I think we're looking at it wrong. It's the old story of, you know, until it hits us hard, yeah, we'll do yeah. nothing about it. And it's the same with food. We'll do, we'll do nothing about uh, eating proper food. You know my argument, Fran, as a farmer. I'm totally opposed to the idea of we bringing in corn from Russia when we can grow it quite well here. Then you know that. You know, that's in my blood. I yes. can't help it. Yeah. But we have to look at the wider picture as well, which is energy. Yeah. Why, why can't we start being conservative? And I use that word, conservative. Instead of 10,000 bulbs, why not 1,000 bulbs? We can still have Christmas. Because, oh. I mean, all the shops are really... But, but answer your own question for me. Why aren't we like that? Why aren't we conservative about that? No leadership. No leadership, friend. And I take that from the top. And you get back Matthew McGrath there, Randy Devise there, Jackie Cal, and they'll tell you straight out, and I know this from the heart, uh, I'm an old soldier, friend, and I know from that we have absolutely no leadership. I, I can't say a rude word on, on your radio, but we have three, I can't say it, no, we have three non-leader 
people in government at the moment. Not one of them. They're more concerned of each other than they are actually leading the country. And I mean that passionately. And, 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 and you're, talk, you're talking about Michal and Leo and Eamon, is the that it? Together, yeah, the three together. I mean, it's it's crazy, Fran. And you know this better than I do. We have a, we, I don't want to start individualising now at the moment because that wouldn't be right. But as a farmer, you, you know it's crazy, the, the word of um, Eamon Ryan. He closed down the peeping and we import briquettes from Germany, another EU country. Uh, the, the same with everything. Why aren't we not being like... I grew up on a farm where we had our own vegetables, we had our own fruit, we had our own... And we only ate them when they were seasonal. But now, obviously, we're going to globalise. But, but, but in terms of him and Ryan, when he made that point, now he made it in a clumsy way, but when he made that point, he was much lampooned. He still is, in fact, you know? About yeah. us being self-sufficient in some way. and Yeah. Yeah, but it's great seeing that in one way. But there was the Green Party that have actually objected to mm. going for gas in this country. We have gas, but it was actually the Green Party's objective in the Shannon Estuary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now, look, I, I'm not the person that wants to dig up this country and ruin it or anything like that. I just want to have a balance. Uh, the new thing in COP27 or, or, or G20, whatever it was last week, was uh, instead of going to Russia and Ukraine for our energy, we go to Africa. Mm. So we'll plunder and rape Africa now and then. Not, not for the first time. Not for the first time, yeah. but that's the wrong. That's the wrong attitude. Yeah. We start at home. I was reared in a place. You start at home first, and then you work out. We're not doing that, friend. There's nobody doing it, and we need leadership. And, and and the Greens back years and years and years ago were great for saying, "Oh, have your carrots in the backyard and yeah. have your lavender," but they never did anything about it. Like we're not actually looking after our self-sufficiency enough. We're poor leaders. As a farmer, Liam, can I drag you in uh, uh, to the conversation we had uh, earlier on when we spoke mm-hmm. about um, uh, Jim was on to us and he was talking about meat being plumped up with water and, you know, up to 40% of it with uh, chickens, for example, that we buy frozen and all. And do, do you have strong feelings about that? As scandalous. It's just, it's non-ethical. It's just totally I, Is it real, it, though, Liam? Is oh, it? it's totally real. Is oh, it? God, yeah. I, I, every, every food that we as farmers produce, we're, we're just the government at, at the beginning, but when it leaves our, our hands, it's then abused, water pumped in, whatever, you know. The scandal of horse meat is still in our, in our memories, you know, that was abuse. Yeah. Uh, 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 there again, just remind us of that. That was mixed in with something, wasn't it? Horse meat. Uh, well, yeah, with beef. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Passed off as beef. Yeah. But but the the abuse after leaving our our ground, our hands, is unreal. The water thing is the classic example. You said, and and the man was right. You go along and you put it in the frying pan. He said there from uh, from England. He puts it in the frying pan and he has a pan of water. It's abuse to go along and make it heavier. To, to you're getting you're paying for water instead of chicken. Mm. And it's the same with everything, sausages, rashers, the whole lot. It's just total abuse. It's greed. You know, go down to your local butcher and get your meat and it'll be totally different meat than but you when, see, when you're the, the perception is, and look, we, we have a fantastic local butcher in our, in our village of Dundrum, but Lovely. the perception is that it's a bit dearer if you go to your butcher, you see, and, and people are, you know, the money is tight and, and if it's perceived to be cheaper in, in a supermarket, they'll go, even though, as you say, they're buying something that's pumped up with, with water. And there again, of course, the proper value for food is not recognised. I mean, I'll be 100% honest with you, meat was the same price 40 years ago. It was the very same price, and you were actually getting meat. Uh, The farmer is the one that's losing out the whole And I'm not taking down the butcher or anything like that. I'm taking down the way society's gone. The farmer has to pay his tax, the butcher has to pay his tax. 
But where is it all going? It's all going to government. If we, if we could reduce that, I gave it the example one time of Tom Parlin saying, he said on television, I can build houses for 150,000, he says. That's what Tom Parlin says. But, but when they leave my hands, when they leave my attention, he says, they're 450,000. And he was asked, where does the money go? He says, the government. And that's an awful lot of our problem. The, 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 but do, the you, do you know what I find really, really just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, my head will fall off at shaking so much. They're giving 200 euro credit to people for their electricity and they're taking VAT off it. Honest to God. I mean, really? It's unreal. It's it's unreal. And and another thing, now that you mention that, uh, you know, it's not means-tested. So the guy that's on... uh, I know, it's ridiculous. The the head of of, of Glanbia, or whatever they're called now, is on a million plus a year, and others like him. And he'll get that. And they get 200 euros, (laughs) it's laughable. If your son or daughter wants to go to college, you're means-tested. I know, it's incredible. My head will fall off at shaking so much. Um, it's great to talk to you, Liam. Thanks Thank for you, your Frank. time. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, bye Thanks, for now. Bye-bye, now. That's uh, Liam speaking to us this morning. Now, uh, we were speaking about uh, the World Cup and uh, the games and all of that kind of thing. A lot of the shock that's been happening too uh, with some of the big teams there. But one of our listeners, Martin, was in touch with us and joins me now. Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning, sir. And good to talk to you today. Um, tell me about the bet that you made initially and then you demanded your money back. No, I didn't demand. I was very nice. I asked for it back. Well, I meant demand nice with a small d. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the so bet explain was, to me. The, 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 bet, the bet originated from the fact that I had my 60th birthday in June and my sister-in-law, for some reason or other, decided that she was going to give me a Paddy Power uh, voucher, mm. right, to the tune of 40 euros. Mm-hmm. So I'm there anyway, and I don't do anything with it for over a month. And eventually I'm reading a newspaper and I go down to all the various teams and I decide that I will win to Paddy Power and I will place at least some of this money on the World Cup. So I did, right? Okay. And this is where it gets really interesting now, is I bet on Japan to get to the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Now, they got a great start, obviously, yesterday. Did. Yeah, now, with Germany, yeah. The odds were 25 to 1. So I put a tenner on that, right? Right. I then put a tenner on Japan getting to the semi-finals mm. at 40 to 1, I think it was. And then that if they got to the final, then the third tenner went at 80 to 1. But all I really needed to do for me to have made a few pounds was them to get to the semi-final, okay. or to the quarter, to the quarter-final. Mm. Like I'd be up, I'd be up money after that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't do a lot of betting. To be perfectly honest, I never back horse. I have no interest. Like my interest in, in if I was doing a bet in the bookies would be to do with, with soccer, mm. and they'd be long, they generally are long term. The other, the other tenor, by the way, went on a double, which was um, Arsenal to finish in the top six and Coventry to get promoted out of the Championship into the Premier League. Mm. Arsenal obviously are probably nailed on at this stage to finish at least second, third. Coventry, a bit more difficult. But mm. anyway. So, so then, the, the bet with yeah. Paddy Power then, yeah? Yeah. So, what happened was, then the World Cup comes nearer, and there's more and more appearing in the newspapers about like the Qatar situation and the way that the World Cup was awarded to them. And then it comes out that up to 6,500 migrant workers between, I think, 2011 or 2012 up until probably last year had lost their lives in over there. A lot of it to do, from what I've been able to gather, in putting together um, all the, 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 the stadiums, the roads, the like industrial yeah. complexes and all this sort of stuff. Mm. So 
my attitude to this was I was looking at this is I, I couldn't I couldn't square me getting a bet even if I was going to win all the money that I had I had wagered on 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 the the, the souls of these poor misfortunate people who had actually died there. Uh, to help make this entire event actually happen. The way I looked at it is six and a half thousand people died so that I could be entertained and to some, do you know what I mean, to, to some degree. And I can't, I can't square that with, um, in, with within my head. And there are lots of other issues as well that, you know, are, are there in relation to the LGBT and all of that sort of thing. Mm. I happen to think what the, the various teams did in taking off the armband was an act of Supreme cowardice is yes, what well, I would well, They it. were threatened by FIFA where uh, the yellow card was concerned, were they not, as well? Yeah, and how big a threat was that? Mm-hmm. We're, go- we're going to, you know, you're going to possibly get a, a yellow card. And that decision would have to be made by the referee on the day. Right. It is one of the things that I think in your life that you have to de- be defined by what it is that you actually do. And unfortunately now for the likes of Gareth Bale, who is, I think, mm. the captain of Wales, and, and uh, um, Kane, um, who is the captain of, of England, it will be forever remembered that when it came to it, in, in, this is in my head anyway, mm. that as men, they didn't actually stand up and say, there's something far bigger than a soccer match we're talking about here. Something far, far and bigger. do you take your obje- objection as far as saying, well, I won't watch this World Cup then? I have done everything possible not to watch it, although I will admit to the fact that I have checked the scores okay. on the internet, okay. but I haven't actually watched any of, any of the games. And normally you would be dug into I the would World, be, yeah, World look, Cup, I'm, I'm a, I'm a diet-in-the-wool Leeds United supporter, mm. uh, for my, my troubles, and obviously a supporter of Waterford United as well, because I'm from just outside yeah. Carrick and Shira on, yeah. on the Waterford side. But what I have found as well, talking to friends of mine, and, uh, and that is that there's great unease among an awful lot of Irish people, from what I can see, in relation to the whole setup in Qatar, the way it has, the way it was granted to them, the the issues that surrounded that have mentioned mm. the, the, the people involved, the LGBT thing, all of that. Sort of, uh, yes, and 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 the the FIFA angle on that as well, which is unfortunate to say the very least. But you know, this morning when I knew you were coming on, I looked up a couple of things, and here's something that would shock you because you were talking to me there about six and a half thousand uh, workers uh, killed yeah. during the building, and the Qatar government uh, saying that you know they don't dispute the number, but they said it's proportionate to the size of the migrant workforce and all of that. And you can take that as it will. But the yeah. top three companies who benefited from building the stadia in Qatar. All three are American. Well, they have to be from somewhere. I'll put it to you that way. And they have to be of scale to be able to do big projects such as that. So that Right, but do you, do you find anything hypocritical in the whole world? Like, and, and rightly so, as far as I'm concerned, because I agree with you, uh, talking about this in Qatar and the loss of these workers and mm-hmm. how immigrant workers mm-hmm. are treated and all of that sort of thing. But still, the beneficiaries of the building of the stadia, and I guess it was under construction that a lot of these workers lost their lives, Mm -hmm. um, are are three American companies. The top three are American companies. Well, uh, like I said, they have to be from somewhere, but it doesn't exonerate them from the fact like that they have no due diligence or nothing like that. What what was allowed to happen in Qatar under their management would not be allowed to happen under any circumstances in the United States or in any other country, I suspect. Mm -hmm. So... 
I, I don't know. Like, you would have to ask, like, whether or not the American government needs to launch its own inquiry. I was unaware of what you just told me now once you mm. said it. Yeah. And and that. But I, I, I would say, like, to in my head, and I think I put it in the email I, I said to you, like, what went, what, what's going on out there is a little bit, in, in, in my head, a bit like the Romans saying, come on, lads, we're going to build a great new uh, stadium in the middle of, of Rome. We're going to call it the Colosseum. And we've just created this great new idea, like, of entertainment for the people, as in we'll take a whole heap of Christians and then a whole heap of lions and see how they get on and see whether people enjoy it and watch it. Like, it's, just, it, 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 like it's a bit extreme, I know, in that particular sense. Do you, think, I mean, do you think it? No, but I take your point. I take your analogy. Um, but do you think that this has damaged soccer? Absolutely. Do you? Absolutely. Absolutely. It has it has damaged what was typically known as the beautiful, the beautiful game. game. Yeah. This is not the beautiful game. This is the beautiful game and there's a lot of blood on the pitch. Yeah. That's Sp- the way sports, I sports washing, isn't that what they call yeah, it? Yeah. That's yeah, that's what they call it. And we know that like various uh, clubs in England, including Newcastle and Manchester City, like there are questions over like the people who are now running them, whether they're uh, Saudi Arabian or whomever, yeah. and there are like like, there are issues there, but it is the the, the situation here as well. You mentioned the the the, uh, the companies that built it, mm. right? But fundamentally, what you have here is that you have this big tournament, and then you have the media who are responsible, you know, for reporting on all of this, right? And there's there hasn't been a lot of what I would consider what I call due diligence on behalf of the various media companies who are actually reporting this because there's so much advertising built around the World Cup that there you know, it's the two things are feeding one off one off of the other. What I would say now is, is this is that Roy Keane and I, I wouldn't have been a fan of Roy after mm. he left the the thing after Saipan. Mm. He has come out and he has castigated FIFA for what they have yes. actually had. He's done it publicly mm. on the television and he couldn't be stopped because it was live. Mm. And I I admire the man greatly for doing that. As a as a pundit, he came out and he's actually said this. But the rest of them are there, they're 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 drawing their money. They're doing what they're doing. They're reporting it. And that goes like for the RTEs, the ITVs, the Skies, the whole lot of them. Because there's so much money involved in it. But we have to define ourselves as a people and as a person and as a nation as being more than just the money that you can actually generate. There are bigger things in this world, uh, like in the line of principle, than just the money. Oh, and it's the principle of human life, I think, that has been taken for granted as if, like, you know, we're going to do this and we just ignore it. You can keep ignoring it. It would be the equivalent of the Russians invading the Ukraine and the Ukrainians saying, God, we can't oppose this, they'll they'll kill a whole heap of us, we'll invite them in. They didn't. There was something bigger, principle behind it, and the love love of their country. I must leave it there, Martin, but you've certainly opened a conversation here. I'm just looking at my screen. Thank you so much for coming on with us, Martin, and look after yourself. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. That's uh, Martin Coughlin speaking to us there. All right, we'll take a break. Back with Farmer. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's TIP Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie 
Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Time to talk about farming and glad to be joined by Katrina Morrissey who is news editor for the Farmer's Journal. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, Fran. And thanks for coming on with us today. A shortage of cattle, Katrina, and it will drive up beef prices. That's right, and that's something we touched on last week, Fran. Uh, The pre-Christmas buying has certainly begun and also it looks like there will be a scarcity of cattle there for the weeks to come and into the new year. So, uh, there was a meeting in leash of uh, the IFA's beef committee and uh, beef farmers from around the country. Um, they were giving out for uh, the amount of um, the cost increases at their end, the beef price increases, are not there to justify what they're spending on feed and, and buying the, mm. the store cattle to finish for the winter. There was some good news, however, that came out of that meeting, and that was Paul Nolan from Dawn Meat, who was... Um, somewhat optimistic that a beef price rise would come because of the scarcity of cattle. So the raw material is not there for the beef factory to buy, so therefore they will have to pay more to get the supplies that are there. The Chagosk harvest report is out as well. Record harvest for 2022. Record harvest, yeah. I mean, everybody will remember harvest time this year was really, really good weather-wise. It was an easy harvest for farmers. Weather was good and the yields, as it turns out, were absolutely excellent. So there was record yields reported in spring barley, oilseed rape and spring oats. And the winter wheat was as good as it was in 2015, which a lot of farmers will remember. So all crops actually were, had better yields than the five-year average. So good news for tillage farmers on that front. So obviously that's weather. That is weather, I suppose. Um, it was a warm and dry summer. So in Ireland, if you get uh, heat and damp, then you will have problems, you know, disease pressure increases with that type of weather. Because the summer was dry and warm, the crop grew well and probably wasn't under the same disease pressure. There's some disillusionment, uh, Katrina, about the Food Vision uh, Beef and uh, Sheep Group proposals. What's behind this? Yeah, very much so. Um, a lot of disillusionment across all of the farm organisations, it has to be said. Last Friday, was a, there was a meeting of the farm organisations with the Department of Agriculture um, and the INHSA, which is the Hill, Natura and Hill Farmers Association, actually walked out of that meeting. They said they just couldn't sign off to what the proposals are going to be. Um, they say that the proposals are essentially a, a cull of the suckler herd, which most of their farmers would be very, um, you know, they're, they're very big suckler, not big in in, um, in the individual herd sense. They would be generally smaller herd sizes, but they produce a lot of the cattle in the West. Um they said they had serious concerns about recommendations to reducing the slaughter age and age at first calving, both of which are you know, being pushed as environmental measures because if an animal can be finished earlier, then it contributes less carbon um, emissions over its lifetime and less methane. Um, but they say it just, you know, it pushes the, too much pressure on the sucker herd and farmers will get out as a result. They're not the only ones by any stretch um, unhappy with the process. The IFA too have said that it will not sign up. It did stay in the room last Friday, but it said it doesn't support their proposals. And since then, we've had a raft of farm organisations come out and say, you know, we're just not happy with this. And you'd have to wonder, you know, if a report comes out in a couple of weeks' time that none of the farm organisations will have endorsed, what kind of, 
your credence can you give that report then? It's, it's a big one for the industry, a big one for the Minister. Little or none, I, I suppose. Okay. Uh, we've been talking for about acres for, for some time now, Katrina, and in this case, the burn farmers. What, what's the story there? Yeah, so there was um, there is a world-famous scheme involving burn farmers, which has been running uh, under the stewardship of a man called Dr Brendan Dunford. Um, it is hailed across Europe as a really top-class example of how farmers can farm for the benefit of the environment. And it is, you know, it's the flagship scheme across Europe. Yes. And that is coming to an end now, and it is to be replaced by a group scheme under the Acres project. Brendan Dunford and his colleagues are not happy. They say that Acres is, uh, you know, a, pay, a shadow in comparison to the original burn programme because acres will only apply to, for example, it might only apply to half of your farm. Mm. So they say that farmers then are not incentivised to do the same level of um, environmental work on the full farm. And they say that will result in environmental, um, I suppose, climb down on those farms. Um, and they have said they they will, they will they, they have a company which is involved in acres and they will do that, but they just can't get involved themselves because they don't think it's good enough. So this week, the Department of Agriculture met uh, Brendan Dunford and his team. And what came out of that was that they have said that they will look at having a bespoke bonus payment for those farmers in the Burren. The Burren being, you know, uh, so again, a world-famous landscape that they yeah. feel it, it merits something over and above. Pat O'Toole is writing today, Katrina, about the Kerry Co-op uh, special general meeting that's happening. Yeah, so last week we reported that they hadn't reached the target that was required in yeah. terms of signatures to trigger the special general meeting. Uh, ICOS have come out and said actually they are close to getting it now and they are continuing to tally the um, the signatures. So it's very likely now that that SGM will come uh, in the coming weeks and the, uh, the I suppose the, the basis for that meeting is that it's going to have a proposal that will lock each co-op share to a fixed number of Kerry Group PLC shares and therefore it will have um, some say on how much money can be spent in buying the milk business. That's almost an interesting story, that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> moving on to forestry then, uh, Katrina, and some headaches for our nurseries. That's right. There was a huge new um, forestry programme or announced about three weeks ago at this stage and a big emphasis on native trees, a big emphasis on trying to switch away from the Sitka spruce and that swing, so both the increase in the demand for native trees and the reduction in demand for the commercial Sitka mm. fruits is causing a problem for nurseries. You know, they point out that their crop of trees would have been sown three years ago. They would have sown at that time based on what the market demanded at that time. So this recent change and the huge increase in forecasted planting is going to put them under pressure to be able to supply what the market needs in the spring. Can I finally ask you about uh, the department's new sheep improvement scheme? What's what's the story there? Yeah, new scheme, um, new payment, €12 Euro per year for sheep farmers. Applications can be made now through the department's Ag Food website. Um, it can be completed by the farmer themselves or through an advisor. If this was announced in the budget, it has, and it's part of the, the next cap as well, um, a five-year scheme with twenty million altogether, and it's gone. The payment rate has gone from ten euro to twelve euro per year. An important one for sheep farmers, and it will pay for um, increased actions, including things like 
buying a genotype ram so that you know the genetic merit of that ram and, and he will be improving the flock. And then things like um, instead of doing just blanket worming of the flock, you might do things like a faecal egg count. And that would mean that you would be physically checking for worm eggs and you would not then be using a blanket dosing system. That will be all part of that drive to reduce um, antibiotic use where possible. Can I finally ask you just about uh, avian flu, bird flu, um, and again, people concerned, I suppose, about uh, turkeys being available for Christmas, uh, and that there was a second farm down with, with bird flu, was there not? Was that in Monaghan, I think, was it? That's right, yeah. yeah. Tuesday night, we got word of the second farm, similar in size to the first one, so we believe about 3,000. It is turkeys again, so it will raise a little bit of concern in the overall scheme of things. Those particular farms are not huge in terms of numbers, but as I've said before, you know, devastating obviously for the individual farm involved because every bird on that farm will now be humanely destroyed um, and they will have to clean out everything and, and basically start from scratch. So uh, last winter there were six cases of avian flu in, in commercial flocks. We would be hoping that it won't get any bigger than these two um, for the sake of the industry. Mm. But again, uh, you know, Monaghan Cavan, it's the poultry centre of Ireland really, um, and the risk of it spreading, if it is in the area at all, would be would be high. The authorities will be really trying to keep a lid on it, but, but difficult. Right, but in in terms of shortages for Christmas, do you, that's not on the cards just now. Not I guess, just is it? yet, I don't think, and I'm right. sure where possible, any farmer who is producing turkeys for Christmas, if they can bring forward their processing dates, I'd say they will. Mm. Um, but no, we're not hearing of any huge concern. All right. Katrina, always good to talk to you. Thank you and good morning to you, Katrina. Bye bye to you now. That's uh, Katrina Morrissey there, who's news editor for the Farmers Journal and uh, living in care. Uh, that's it. That's it for now. Uh, news and information is on the way. We'll be back with you. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Gurmila Mahagat Pat and uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. We're almost glad to hear from you. All right, it's time for this. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Tip FM's Match 3 game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum's.ie. And we're going to Mary, who's in Carrick today. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed, Mary. Are you all set to play? Uh, yeah, sure. Are you feeling very lucky today? Um, yes, I hope so. <laughs> very good indeed. Well, you know the story at this point. I'll ask you to pick a box. If the prize is gone from that box, I'll give you another shot at it. And uh, if the second prize is gone, we have to say goodbye. Is that okay with you, Mary? Yeah, sure. All right, so you know the drill at this point then. A number between 1 and 90. Um, 79. 79. You sound like as if you have your homework done, so it should be should be um, interesting. Yeah. 79. Let's open that box and we'll see what happens. 
Mm, a nice one. It's a Fuji digital camera. It's valued at just under €200, Euros, so it's a nice prize. A second number for me, Mary? 42. Number 42. Let's open that box and see what happens. Oh, you're going well. 42 is also a Fuji digital camera to the value of just under €200. Euro. Okay, two out of three ain't bad, but you need the third one, Mary, so pick another box for me. Here it goes. It's number five. Number five. Let's have a look in number five. Mary? Yes, yes. We have a winner. We have a winner. Well done, you. Well done, indeed. So you are the proud owner of a Fuji S8600 digital camera. I have no idea what it is, but it sounds posh to me anyway. Good. So congratulations to you, and oh, we will be much. in touch with you, and Mary. Do you want to say hello to anybody as you're on? I do. I want to say hello to my sister, who's not feeling too good. So I hope she makes a good recovery. And what's her name, Mary? Her name is Elaine. Okay, well, we wish Elaine the very, very best indeed. Look after yourself, Mary. Have a great Christmas, and congrats again. Thanks very much. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye That's then. Mary Wall in Carrick and Shore, a winner in our Match 3 and Fair Play Tour. And, of course, we play that uh, throughout the day and again uh, tomorrow on the programme. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Unwrap an early Christmas present from Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Stakelum's Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Shop online at stakelum.ie. Match 3, win the prize. Oh, the Tip excitement FM. of it all. Isn't it fantastic? Now, uh, we're on air with you every single weekday morning from 9 and Shannon spoke to me this morning about Black Friday. So here's a little of what she had to say after 9 o'clock this morning. I think it's all a big scam, to be honest with you. Do you? You do. I, I know it's a scam because I worked in retail myself and I know that a couple of weeks before Black Friday we put the prices up and then bring them back down to a tiny bit below what they originally were. It's just the thrill of it. I think people think, oh my God, I'm getting this magic deal, but it's not really a deal if they were to go looking at that product for a couple of months before it went on sale. I did it myself. Um, I would have been mad into Black Friday, you know, when I was 18, 19, and it was new to me. And I used to say, oh, I can't wait for Black Friday. And I used to be falling for all those scams the whole time. But um, then, obviously, I moved out and got my own place and had to budget my money. So I started watching things. And then I realised, this isn't actually a deal. This was cheaper there a few months ago. It would have to be, like, I would say Amazon or some of the... The, the, on, the online ones, yeah. yeah. Like, I wouldn't go to a shop and buy someone for a television with 50 euro off it, when really it's probably only 20 euro off. You'll even see it in grocery shops. I know one particular shop now, is, at the minute, they have offers on, and they had offers on for Halloween. So the motion packs of bars and stuff. They started off at, like, 2.95, and then about two weeks before Halloween, they went up to 4.55, and they went on offer for two for five or something like that. But they were only originally two ninety five to begin with. And the joys of Black Friday. And that's Shannon speaking to us this morning just after nine o'clock. All right, as usual, on a Thursday, I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Muriel Cuddy, who's CEO of Marito 8020 in Clonmel. Muriel, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And you're going to talk today about a subject that has an awful lot of people chatting and wondering about and inquiring about, which is the weight loss 
injections mm. and what it's all about and who can have them and uh, that. You'll be making them available in the clinic, is it? They're available from today in the clinic, yeah, as par- part of our, you know we're a specialist weight management clinic. Yeah. So yeah, as part of our, our weight loss um, programme today, literally, they've been um, integrated into part of that programme. Right. So. There's a great curiosity about them. Can you tell us more about them? Muriel? I can, you know, and I suppose um, where this has come from, because you know I do the preventative side of health all of the time. Yeah. And for me, I see so many people um, in relation to overweight and obesity. There's a difference between overweight and being obese. Mm. And obesity isn't your fault. It's a chronic disease. Mm. And I suppose that's something that I really want to get across to people because people come in and they cry and they're so upset when they're overweight. Fran, it affects Oh my God, probably about 90% of people wait Mm. up until nearly the day that they die. Like I have people that are 70, 75, 80, 85 and wait is an issue. And maybe it's like as in um, it's health markers, um, it's, um, what would you say, visual. Mm. So many different sides to um, being overweight. So for me, I suppose anything that I can add into the programme of weight management for people in relation to obesity, that I can help, um, is it makes a big, big right. ma- So this is just one of a suite of tools, I suppose, in terms of weight management. It is, is it, it yeah. is completely yeah. because, like, cardiovascular disease is one of the biggest causes of death um, yes. in Ireland at the minute. Um, obesity, uh, you know, I think is it about forty percent of cancers are caused by obesity. There's so many different illnesses caused by overweight and obesity. So your blood pressures and cholesterols and all the different bits and pieces. Yes. So yes, this weight loss drug is all over TikTok. To the extent that one of the um, one of the actual drugs, Ozempic, is mm. literally sold out. Yes. So people have been asking me, you know, what does it entail? What does it look like? What does it do? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, right. Mm. So, if you are overweight, one of the things I suppose, and anyone that has been um, on diets down through time, they'll tell you time and time again, I lost a stone, then I put on two stone. Mm. Mm. And why do you do that? Well, like you've different hormones in your body. So you've ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone. Okay, and that in, in, increases your drive to eat. And then you've got leptin, which regulates your appetite. Okay, the more you diet, the regulate your appetite hormone lectin becomes less sensitive. Okay. Okay, so the minute you go back to, say, eating normally, you'll actually feel more hungry. So you'll actually eat more. So what does the weight loss tablet do? It actually helps you, um, it nullifies your appetite, literally. Mm -hmm. So it it works on these hormones to make you feel fuller, to make you feel sated. It actually just, you want less food, literally. And that's putting it very simply, Fran. The side effects, see, we've done all the research on it in every which way, literally. And the side effects are very, very um, slim, if none. To be honest, hmm. um, people that are pregnant want to get pregnant, things like that. Yeah, you definitely can take it. But for anyone else, um, yeah, you, you can actually take it. Um, if you're going to a GP's, Fran, you would have to be presenting just about with type 2 diabetes. Um, you'd have to have the comorbidity side of things as in that you have two mm-hmm. underlying issues and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but the BMI has come down from 35 to 30 to 27. A lot of people have a BMI of 27. So you would say to me, does that mean that everybody can actually take the injection Mm. and, you know, off we go? No, it doesn't mean that. It means you'd have to, for us, you would have to come in, you'd have to get a full set of bloods done. Mm. We would have to get your BMI. We would have to go through a full checklist of underlying conditions, health markers, everything under the sun. So this isn't a willy-nilly situation, is it, that you'll be... No, not at all. And I think one of the things people need to know, it's expensive, Mm. so that's one side, and it Mm. doesn't come on any insurance Mm -hmm. scheme or it doesn't come with anything like that at all. Um, It's it's €250 for the, you know, um, what's the one? It's um, Saxenda. Mm. 
So it's 250 euros a month for Saxenda, right? So it's a lot of money. So it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But if you work that back, because um, we were, I was going through every single side of this because I'm very aware of money and people mm-hmm. even coming into me in, in, in relation to that. And it's probably working out at about 560 a day. The Saxenda for the 250 euros works out at about 40 days, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a coffee and a half. And if you're working out even in relation to food and if you do overeat or you're obese or whatever and you're eating the wrong types of food Mm. and the food shop is big and you're going to reduce your appetite, you probably will make up the difference. You will lose weight. Mm. Okay, so that's literally in, I think, about 90% of cases, if not 95% of cases, you do lose weight. And the drug, how how is this administered, by the way? Oh, it's injection. It's injection, right. And you would self-administer. Self-administer, okay. So the Saxenda, you administer you every day. So you have to inject yourself every day. Um, The other ones are literally weekly. Okay, so you have to be comfortable with that as well. Mm. You lose, um, in the interim, probably about 5% of your body weight. And now you have to lose 5% of your body weight within the first 12 weeks to continue on it. If you're not, you're, you're considered a non-responder. Oh. It's, it's, it's estimated that you will lose about 10% of your body weight overall. Some people lose up to 20% of their body weight. We would recommend that you only stay on it for three months. Mm-hmm. What worries us, I suppose, as a specialist weight management clinic, um, the education is vital. The yes. diet is vital, your sleep, your exercise, educating the mind in relation to, okay, your appetite has reduced, but are you still living on sugary things? You know, is it processed food? Is it carbohydrate? Right. Um, rich so diet? there's still a nutritional aspect it's to it. It's massive, Fran. Yeah. It's massive. So even if you go to a GP and you say to him, listen, I need this, and he goes into all the, the, the behind the scene checks and gives it to you, within three months, if you come off it, you will put the weight back on again if you haven't changed your mindset and worked out, you know, listen, Rosh, what do I actually need to do here? So you can stay on it for life and people that have um, diabetes, etc., will be on it for life. Mm. Um, But we recommend you don't. You stay on it for three months. You lose what you need to lose. So for a lot of people, two stone weight loss, 10% weight loss will change that market. And what are you hoping for? that At that point, you've changed lifestyle and you're into a way of living that is healthier. Is is that I think so. I think think once you reduce your appetite and you actually realise, listen, um, I can actually manage and I can my body will work on this amount of food and I know what looks like proper food. When you come to me, I always make people do a food journal. I always make people journal as in things like their mood, etc., in relation to their food. So I would make sure people do all of that while we go on this journey because this is a two-step journey. The first yes. step is three months, lose the weight, take the injection, etc. And step two then is maintenance. So how do we maintain it that we don't need this injection for life? I do think some people will take the injection three months, probably go back to some of the old habits in the interim, mm. month four, five, six maybe, and come back to taking it again. But the second time round, they're actually more savvy and realise exactly what they have to do. So the habits have to be established and it takes a while to establish right. habits. So it might work My like understanding, that. Muriel, is that there's a gradual introduction to the full dose. Is that the way it works? That's right, yeah. yeah. So it works at um, 0.6 milligrams. Yes. in the very initial and you take that for about five weeks you can even we can even push that out longer that you take the point six even you know for maybe eight weeks or whatever it reduces the cost and it actually introduces the the um, injection to people on a much softer level because mm. it can cause GI upset so it can actually cause your tummy to feel upset it can cause a bit of nauseousness and things like that you know so that's just on an easier level it works its way up to about three milligrams okay right. so that's your top 
that's your top dosage. And then to take that for three months would be the optimum level, really, that we would feel is is, is what you need. Right, that's interesting. Uh, when you talk about injecting yourself, people might imag- immediately visualise the notion of a vaccination needle or something. Mm. It's not quite like that. It's sure, not. It? It's just tiny, literally. Just tiny it's just thing, like a pinprick yeah. for yeah. all the world. And like there's various sites like Thai, etc. And you don't really even know you're doing it, to be honest. You get... Um, we give you a dummy pen mm-hmm. and we actually show you how to use the dummy pen, etc. and, you know, what you're doing every day. So that's, yeah, it's not right. it's not a problem. Okay. And it is very much a doctor will make the That's the really important, Frank. That that, that's really important, yeah. yeah, because um, there's a lot of reports there, like, of, of, you know, I suppose, unregulated weight loss injections, mm-hmm. etc. and that mm-hmm. definitely don't want to go there. Like, extensive studies have shown that once it's led by a doctor, most especially if it's an aesthetic doctor because of the anatomy and physiology of the body and, I suppose, because of the... Um, specialist training in what we're doing in mm. relation to exercise and that kind of thing um, then it's proven to be 20% more effective you know I just yeah you know me everything has to be doctor led because mm. and even on the insurance side of things of course it's so important that's massive, isn't it? yeah, yeah. That's massive. Um, is there a tablet version of this Muriel no not, not <coughs> at no. the moment it's all it's all um, okay. injection only yeah right why isn't I, I suppose you've answered this in a kind of way, but I'm just wondering why everybody in the whole world is there, because sure, we're all struggling with weight and stuff. Um, is it because that it's linked to chronic illness, mostly? Is that it? Give it time. Yeah. So I think somebody actually said to me the other day that was involved fairly high up in the pharma world um, that they maintain within 24 months half of America will be on it, because there will be no choice. If you read the stats with the NHS and read the stats in, in the UK at the minute, uh, the UK is pushing this out there. So they're trying to get as many people to actually lose weight as they possibly can because every single health system throughout the world is overran by the obesity-related yeah. issues or whatever. So I do think this is definitely going to come down the line. There are, are, have been no legal cases yet in relation to it. There hasn't been any side effects that have really shown any harm or damage. It's controlling the hormone that stimulates the, your appetite, etc. So yeah, I think down the road, Fran, it right. will become available. It's just... And this yeah. has been tested and all of that. And oh this yeah, is everything. Uh, yeah, everything. And even us we've done the research because you know me I don't want to add anything in yes, of that's tablet based or that's like um, has, yeah. has a kind of a medicinal background unless um, I'm 100% right. well, sure you, that you I you have to be very, to very careful about this um, so, okay you're introducing it today but I presume you would have heralded this in some way are you getting huge interest we have a waiting list already. Go on. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because um, we've linked up with two other specialist management, management clinics in Ireland. So there's really only three of us that work on this, um, as, as I suppose. It's 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 our a lot of our business, whereas you have GPs that do a lot of other things. Yes. Um, and we actually have a workshop in Kilkenny tonight on it. So this is massive. They're booked out as well. So I think we're all going to find ourselves very busy in this space. But we want to help people if we can. So it's literally, yeah, make the call and we'll give you... Sounds good indeed. You gave me a prescription for health a little earlier on, Muriel, and uh, if I'm blushing, there's a very good reason why. Um, Do you want to go through this uh, for me? Yeah, you know, it's funny. um, I only gave it to you because I suppose it's part of one of the health checks that we do, and it's literally... Doesn't it make sense, Fran? It's 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 not rocket science, yeah, I suppose. Sure, and yeah. it's part of what we do every day to people. So if you're talking about your cholesterol, it's try to get your cholesterol level down below five. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very, you know, simple and all the bits mm. and bits. Well, I won't say it's simple, but it's doable, right? I had a lady in the other day and she said to me, her cholesterol was 6.8 and she was offered a statin. And she said, pharma background, she said, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it at my age, so I'm 72. I've never taken a tablet in my life. What can I do to get it down? And I said, 
we'll work on your diet, we'll work on your exercise, we'll work on all the different pieces we need to work on and we will reduce it. So when I'm back here in January, I, I'll be able to tell you that her cholesterol is down to Right, and can you just briefly tell me what, how will you approach that? Because I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in yeah, that. Well, uh, first of all, a breakdown for bloods. So I've um, got a breakdown for HDL, which is a good cholesterol, or LDL, which is a bad cholesterol, and her triglycerides. So her HDL, we need to push that as high as we can. So how do you push your HDL as high as you can? That's your good cholesterol, because that effectively mops up the bad cholesterol in the body and filters it out. Okay, so good cholesterol is essential fat. You are trying to drive the inflammation down in the body, and you do that by taking things like um, omega-3s, fish, eggs, nuts, seeds, all the things you hear me talking talking about all the time, extra virgin olive oil, as much of that into your diet as you possibly can. Get rid of the other stuff. Triglycerides become higher with sugar, processed diet, etc. Right? And the same, your LDL, your, your, your bad cholesterol. When we hit 40, 45, our body doesn't process carbohydrates like a juicer. It doesn't like sugar. It just doesn't like sugar. It's like you're putting dirty diesel into mm. a car or whatever. Mm. But it loves essential fat and it loves protein and it loves berries and fruit and veg and all of that kind of thing. So if we can change your diet like that, that yes. definitely works, okay? All right, I, I was looking at something on social media the other night where a doctor came out and he said, we don't need any sugar whatsoever. No, like we don't. By, by way of the sugary stuff, that we, we don't need any of that. We don't. Our body actually works really well on... Um, on fat, essential yeah. fat and protein. Yeah, that's amazing. literally... Uh, yeah. Blood pressure is the other one there. That can be brought down to a healthy level? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Blood pressure is one of the ones. Is that now, weight again? Some though? of it is hereditary. Some yeah. of it, yes, is weight. Some of it is stress-related. We yeah. are seeing, like, pre-COVID... Um, blood pressure wasn't an issue. It wasn't a huge issue in the screens that we were doing. Uh, when we came 12, 12 months through COVID, so I suppose we were kind of coming out the other side... Oh my God, Fran, the blood pressure issues were just crazy. They were through the roof. So they've started stabilising again, that we can actually see people are coming back to where they need to be. And that wasn't even, that wasn't diet related, that was stress. People were just so anxious and so stressed. Some of that is still there, especially in the older generation, 70, 72 plus, mm. that's still there. And you can even see it even coming into us. They're very nervous and they're even saying, and you know, it's funny because I actually said the other day when I was driving to somebody, I saw a lot of um, smaller cars or whatever on the road again lately. And I said, you know, I, that, that's strange, I said, because I saw that car twice and I was looking at the regs to see whether they're the same regs and they weren't. Mm. And I said, maybe that generation are back out again that they're actually starting to God, get confident I again. I hope so, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be yeah. great? Uh, BMI, a lot of arguments about BMI um, and as to the value of it. and whether you, you, you believe in it, don't you? I don't really. So I know we need to take the BMI for the... Um, to, to put it in as part of a programme for the drug and everything for weight loss. Yes. But BMI is height versus weight, right? Mm. So if you were like a Rob Carney and you had a lot of muscle and you were a big man and all the bits and pieces, you'd have a high BMI. If you were like a Usain Bolt and you were skinny and miserable, you'd have a low BMI. Mm. For me, I look at things like visceral fat, which is the fat around the internal organs and hydration levels and things like that. Mm. I look at the correlation between your total weight and your muscle mass. So if you have a low muscle mass and you have a high weight... There's a lot of body fat in your bo- on your body. So you've got to bring those two closer together. So I try to educate people on those things instead. So BMI to me isn't the be all and end on. It's funny because I've said here, try to get your BMI under 25. You, the injection is actually available for people that have a BMI over 27, right? Nearly every single person that comes into me has a BMI of over 27. So it's like you are skinny, really slim. Right. Your BMI isn't going to be at around 23 or 4. Right, so trying to get it under 25 is... That should be the norm, healthy. If you get yeah. it to 25... You are really healthy. Okay, it's okay, interesting, yeah. yeah. Funnily enough, a few people on to us about the same thing and they're saying uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sum it up uh, from, from a few of them. But basically they're saying that it's dangerous um, to disempower people and say that obesity isn't their fault. Now, the medical uh, professional come out recently and, and they're now seeing it as chronic disease. Aren't? Mm. Now, they may be referring to, to morbid obesity, aren't they? Morbid obesity, yes. But even obesity, like I work with people a lot. So like I, I find this, even with kids, I do find... They do, like, you do get everything, all the parameters in place or whatever, and it is really, really hard for some people to lose weight. So, yeah, I, I, I agree and I disagree with people saying, yes, it's a fine line, because you actually might give people the um, freelance to say, listen, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, within I can't my makeup, do it's genetic, and I'm not able to yeah, do anything yeah. about it. But in some instances, Fran, and it's in a decent amount of instances, I actually see people can't really, they've tried, they've lost it, they've put it back on again, and they don't literally know when to stop eating like your appetite is there and you you just don't feel full, which is really hard. Right, and that brings us back to the start of our conversation about Mm. this uh, drug that's available. That's what it does, isn't it? It curbs that feeling. Curbs your appetite, makes you feel sated. Just literally, um, what would you say, just stops you feeling hungry all the time. Literally, mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's it's those hormones that we're trying to... And, you know, if you can educate people even on that, that you actually know what a portion size looks like and you know what needs to be in that portion, mm. you know, you're you're on a, in a good place then. My only worry, like I said, she would be within the three months if people just get it from, if they go to their GP and get it and they don't get the education with it, um, it's not going to work on its own. All right. If people want to talk to you or your yeah. team, uh, Muriel, how can they do that? Um, so our number is, we have a very easy new number, guys. So it's 52 Okay, so that's 52 So that's three eights in there, all right. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to get used to that one as well. Mm-hmm. Muriel, good to see you. Thanks very much indeed. Muriel right. Cuddy there. Muriel, the CEO of Morito. Uh, 80-20, the uh, brand new clinic based in Clonmel. 27 past 11. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 1800 Hello to, let me find this again, Timmy O'Dwyer. Timmy, a big happy birthday to you. You're in uh, Summerhill Drive and 84 year, years old uh, today. A big happy birthday to you, Timmy, and I hope they're all spoiling you and making sure you have a fantastic day and lovely to hear that story today. 1800 Now, yesterday we spoke to Judy Russell. Judy is one of the people behind the company The Story Of with QR codes that you can scan on headstones. Now, the idea is that you would scan a code and by doing so, you would have access, I suppose, to somebody's life, their stories, maybe their videos, maybe their wedding photographs or or whatever. Well, Liam Brown is a frequent uh, contributor to the show and he joins me now. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, fine. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you, Liam. Um, Liam, what do you make of this? I, th- I think you think it's a great idea. I genuinely do. I think it, it's one of the best ideas I've heard in a long, long time, Fran. Um, it's such a simple idea. I'm surprised people haven't thought about it before. I'm kind of half disgusted myself. I haven't thought about it before because I think it's something that could be very, very successful for the company. But realistically, if the idea is the thing that I, I'd be happy about, um, it, it really is a good idea. Mm. 
I mean, you know, death is an awful thing, but it's the one thing that's coming to every one of us. Mm. Uh, and we all, I suppose, think that we'd like to go on in, in, in this earth as long as we can. We obviously know we can't. But this thing can bring our memories on through generations, literally almost into eternity, really. Uh, and I just think it's a really, really good idea that they come up with. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm not sure about you, Liam, but I love old graveyards and I love reading headstones and the like. And I often see something that would twig my interest and I'd love to know more. You know, so this this is an amazing resource as well as everything else, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. Um, I, I know that an awful lot of people are very, very um, interested in their own ancestry, their own mm. history. I know my father-in-law there a couple of years ago, we went in search of his of his antecedents and I think we got back as, somewhere back about as far as 1840 where his people came from in, in New Inn, in Tipperary and further. I know I've tried to do it myself and I've looked at say, grand-uncles and my great-grandparents. Mm. But it's it's very hard once you get back to a certain level of time. I know we have the census in, in 1905, the mm. census in 1911. We've got those. But once you get past that, it's very hard to go back further. Whereas this thing now, we can use technology and that can maybe cast us on maybe 200 years. In, in 200 years, the people can learn about us. Because I do think that we have a great... As you said, a lot of people like to go into graveyards and kind mm. of almost... It's like a puzzle, mm. and we look at this grave, and we find out that this person was related to me, and then then they were related to somebody else on a grave, and you go looking for that person's grave, especially when you go to say our mother sites, and you know they're not carrying the same name that we're carrying now; they're carrying different names, mm. and then their mother carried a different name as well. But it, it gets difficult, and then obviously as the graveyards get older, if you go up the rock, a lot of the inscriptions are gone off the graveyards yes. yeah. now, yeah. so we lose that, so we lose a kind of a step in the process. But this idea can keep that there, you know. No, it's great, yeah. Apart from that as well, there's another thing, and I, I give a shameless plug here, but I helped Mark Fitzell, and you know Mark in Cashel. Of course he, I did, he writes yeah. the, many, the many face of Cashel yeah. book. I give Mark a hand editing the book and doing a bit of proofreading. And it's great to read the stories. It's great to read the stories of Cashel, and you know yourself that that's a book that people are waiting for every single Christmas. It's a, one, one of the biggest edition. successes. I mean, a huge success altogether, you know. It, it, it's something, and I've said to Mark, it, and, and the thing about it, friend, is it could be done in Clonmel. You know, there could be a many face of yeah. Clonmel, many yeah. face of Carrick, many yeah. face of Tipperary Town, because every town has its own story. Every village has its own story. You know, every village, uh, every couple of years, comes out with a history of Borlan or a history of Dundrum. And again, it's snapped up. Absolutely, the second it hits the shelves, it's snapped up because we have a voracious appetite for our of history. Course, and yeah. we want we want to see where our people fit into the history of our area. And sometimes, and, and this is the other thing I love about this, Liam, sometimes it's the story of so-called ordinary people that would be the most fascinating, you know? That, that's what I was about to get to, you know? I mean, we often see, not everybody gets into the many face of Cashel, even though Mark would love as many, many people to go in there. Mm. But some people some people say, oh, sure, what have I got to tell her? Yeah. What's my story? But it's often said that everybody has a book in them. Yes. Everybody has a story. And, you know, this would allow that story to get out there. And, I mean, there are thousands of people listening right now to the two of us talking. And every single one of those people are listening have somebody that they want to remember. Yes. They've yeah. somebody, they've a parent, they've a partner, they've a child maybe, unfortunately, they've a friend, a brother or sister. And, you know, sometimes they feel that they're the only people who remember them and they miss them. And we've always said, we'd love to maybe hear their voice one last time We'd love maybe to see their smile. I mean, you can put videos on here, as you said, wedding videos, wedding photographs. And if it just 
offered a bit of comfort to somebody to be able to do that and up and reconnect with the person who's uh, unfortunately has passed it yeah. allows them to yeah. so that's in the that's in the present and it's amazing in, that you talk about that and it was only the other night I, I was brought up with my grandparents as a, as you might know Liam, mm-hmm. but, but I, do, um, yeah. I, I was thinking about my grandfather you know and yeah. even though we were very close I can't remember his voice yeah that's that's what I'm saying and I mean I, yeah. I know I lost, I've lost both my parents over the last decade and a half as well and you know Here's another thing, like it, it, I call it the shoebox effect. We were at home there some day during the week, and one of the kids opened up a, a filing cabinet and pulled out a box of photographs, and turned out the photographs were 15, 20, 20, 20 years old. Those pictures of my mum in that, you know, at, at a at a birthday party when one of my kids was two years of age. Yes. And you kind of see him, and you kind of you get kind of gasp again. I found a, I found a lovely picture of my dad with Mary Lou Macdonald back in two thousand and five. And then you not only remember him, you remember the night, you remember the, the kind of the good night course, that we yeah. had. Yeah. And this also, and you know, if, if you could go up and to a graveyard, and they are tough places to be, but you kind of leave that graveyard with a little bit of joy and feel that, you know, you have reconnected and you still have that connection to people in the present. That's brilliant. But like I said, I, I grew up, I think not, not grew up completely, but I, I lived with my grandparents till I was four years of age. Mm. I remember my grandfather. Mm. I kind of remember my grandmother, but I don't know who their people were. Yes, I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know beyond them. And you know, I remember my grandparents in Nakavella and Dundrum, and I can look at the 1905 census and I can see my grand my granddad's name. But I also know then he had four or five brothers and four or five sisters, and I know nothing about them. Like he had two brothers who fought, for example, in the War of Independence, mm. and I mm. only know a name, but I don't know anything about them. But this would allow my grandkids' grandkids to remember these times and to remember those people because, you know, I, I would certainly be thinking of, of contacting that company and having a QR code put on my parents' grave and actually giving... The, like, I know a lot of people might know a story of my dad because he was a counsellor yeah. because of the thing with the Queen. Of course. But they, yes. they, they might know as much about my mum and you'd have remembered my mum, but oh, other people absolutely. wouldn't have remembered my yes. mum. But like you said, ordinary, ordinary people who might feel that they didn't have a story. They all have stories. Everybody has a story. And, you know, this can this can allow that to be put in there. It can allow generations in the future to see it. It also allows social history to be remembered. Well, that's because, very important, isn't it? That, I mean, for anybody know, doing thesis or anything of, of an area, here's, I mean, wouldn't that be an incredible collection to have access to? It, it is. Like I said, uh, you're a couple of years older than me, not a huge amount older than me, but you live down the town of Cashel, yeah. whereas I didn't. I was reading, I say, this year's Manifest and Cashel book, and Mark was talking about shops that were in the town. It was a, a pawn shop in the town. I don't remember there. You might remember there. No, but my grandfather but other, spoke to, to me about I think it was on Friar Street there, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. other people would, and other people in Cashel would remember mm. their parents having gone in and out of the place. And like, that, that's a social story. It's a social history story. In, that, that had an important place in Cashel at the time. Mm. But it's not there anymore. And, you know... Maybe we've gone very generic. We've gone very generic nowadays. There's a Starbucks on every corner, mm. but there used to be. Mm. You know, there used to be different families in Cashel, and we can we can piece together how a town grew. And in some cases, you yeah. can piece together how a town declines when it loses. Like you know, an awful place would say, Goose Cross. Goose Cross used to have a, a railway station. Railway it was station, absolutely. Massive, yeah. It was a massive hub of, of economy and people around it. Now it's only a small little village. 
Mm. But Gould's Cross still has a fantastic story. The people of Gould's Cross would remember their parents, their grandparents would have had something to do with the railway, would have been going places because the railway was there. Yes. Those are but, all great stories. And, and to in remember, the case, like. and again to the QR codes, you might end up with somebody who worked on those railways and had personal experience of that. So, do you know, it's, I, I, it's one of the best ideas I've come across in a long, long time. I, 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 I certainly do. And, yeah. I, you know, if, if you could say, indulge me for a minute to go back to my leaving start. Sure. Uh, when, when I did Julius Caesar, one of the, 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 the Mark Anthony speeches said, you know, the evil that men do goes beyond them, but the good is often interred with their bones. You know, and there's an awful lot of good in people who have that that we've forgotten about, that we just don't know. But this can allow that to be put in there. And, like, with digitization at the moment, you can put in huge amounts of information. I, I looked at the site and I checked it out, and it's lovely. But there's so much more that could be put in there. And I'm sure when more and more people engage with the site, they will put more and more in there. And it's certainly something that, you know... I, it's just a really, a really simple idea, Frank. Yeah. A really simple uh, idea, but really, really good. One, one of the families interviewed on, on Nationwide, uh, they were making the point that you go up to the grave, and you know, for a lot of people, they, they mightn't get that much out of being at a grave. I don't, for example. But if you had access to a video or you had access to hearing a voice, or so, do you know, I just think it's a, it's a lovely idea. It puts a whole other dimension, I suppose, on, on, on these well, that Well, that's it. I mean, look, I mean, a, a gravestone is fine, but it, it just, you know, it's a day to a bone, yeah. a day to and maybe a little bit of an inscription, maybe a small bit of a prayer or something. But it doesn't really tell you an awful lot about the person. Yeah. And and then as as say the sons and daughters of that person pass away themselves and you move on to the next generation, you, you begin to lose so as you said yourself, once you go back two generations, yeah, yeah, you, you can't gone, remember a voice. Yeah, yeah. You get a fuzzy memory of a face. Yeah. You know, whereas here, I mean to to open to open up on your phone and Maybe hear people talking to you. Now, I, I don't know, would you put this maybe on a gravestone? But another thing that I thought about afterwards was, like, can you imagine Fan maybe getting a bad, a bad uh, diagnosis and being told that you didn't have much time yourself left here, mm. but you wanted to leave a message for people? Uh, you know, yeah. you, you didn't yeah. have grandkids. I mean, I don't have grandkids yet, but I, I hope to at some point in the future. But, I mean, if anything happened to me in the morning, they would never know, they'd never have seen me. But, you know, to leave a message for those, to, to remember them and to tell them, you know... Absolutely. Wait, Mary, yeah. Mary Russell described it beautifully on that programme. She she called it a sacred history, you know. I, I just oh, thought I, it was a lovely way to, to sum it up, you know. It, it is, you know, I mean... Now, nowadays we we look at we look at certain people in history, and we only remember the we only remember the important people, what we call, or we only remember the rich people, yeah, the ones that the ones that had big headstones. But this democratizes history for all for all said, because we we can write our own history to leave to people, and you know. I don't know, maybe you'd, you'd look at somebody else's grave and look into their history. Some people wouldn't, they might only look at their own. But it doesn't matter, it's there. The very fact that it's there and it, it's available is fantastic. And as you said, for academic research... Oh, would be, able be to go fantastic, through. absolutely. What a resource. Liam, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed, Liam. Thank we'll you. We'll talk again. Thank you. I look bye forward bye to bye it, bye Liam. Bye. Thank you and bye-bye to you. Um, that company, by the way, is called The Story Of. And then you add in, obviously, your name, The Story Of, Liam Brown, or The Story Of, whoever. Um, all right, we'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Auction. 
If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, Therese joins me. Therese, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. I'd love to talk to you, Therese. You got a bit of a shock when you received your energy bill. I did. I got my gas bill first thing yesterday morning, opened it up, and it was €247, but there was no credits. So now, foolish me, thought we were getting grants. Mm -hmm. So I rang my supplier, who also supplies my electric. Mm -hmm. And I got a lovely girl, and she said to me, oh, you have the two with the one company. No, we only pay the electric. And I said, but have I got credits? Oh, she said, you have over €350 in credits. And I said, can you not pay my gas bill? Then I'm the same person, same address, same consumer. No, government doesn't allow it. It's only applicable to your electricity. Yes. So I made inquiries then during the day. And actually on TIP Midwest, the information centre over there, you know, for the citizens, they were on explaining that apparently yesterday morning. But anyone I've said it to, nobody seemed to know about it. Mm. But one thing is, now the big supplier has got the money and I have no control over it. And no, but are you saying to me, Therese, it can't be applied at any point to your electricity? No, is that what you're no. saying? Yeah. yeah. And you see, with me, my electric is the lower bill. Right. You know, I've only the washing machine, the dishwasher, you know, the electric So light, you depend light. on the gas, is that, is uh, yeah. that it? And gas is your heating. I mean, it's been very cold the past fortnight. I've had the heating on all the time, believing I was going to get help, you know, with it. Yeah. And I can tell you, I'm not getting help with it. So I'm just looking at the fact that millions have gone into the suppliers and they are holding the money because they're not allowed to pay your other bill with it. So therefore, the individual citizen, like myself, has no benefit for my heating. Right, and this is sitting in their account. Yes, there's over 350, and now to be another three weeks before I get my electric bill, you know, and but there'll be still more money going in next week. There's 200 more going into everybody's account. And I'm going, who's benefiting now? They they already make millions, those big suppliers, and that's fair enough, that's business. But they now have all these millions that have gone in to help the individual. And I'm looking at, I'm an older person now, I'm a pensioner, I'm a widow, and you know, my needs wouldn't be much, but they're, they're big things facing you are your bills coming in the door. And no, I won't get any alleviation on those bills. And Therese, what, are you hearing this is some sort of anomaly in the thing this wasn't accounted for? Is that is that the impression uh, yeah, you're getting? They, yes, they're, they're not allowing the companies to, or, only to give it to the electric bill. And that's fair enough. But now, remember the situation we have in this country. Turf is forbidden in the fire. Yes. The coal is forbidden in the fire. They don't want open fires anymore. They want all this smoke gone out of the atmosphere. Mm. So they want everyone, you know, to go back to something that would be smokeless. And like I have my natural gas coming in here and it's brilliant for heating. Absolutely brilliant. And no, there's no, and anyone who has oil are also excluded That's right. in the heating That's of right. their house. Yeah. So therefore, who's benefiting from it? 
Do you know, I'm thinking of older people, sick people, people living alone. And again, and then, I, I don't have experience, Therese, of a dual bill. Do you get a breakdown on your bill as to how much for electricity and how much for gas, or is it all in the one? No, I get a bill for electric. I get one bill every month. Right. So one is gas and one... And so it is good the way that's handled by the company. That's great. Like, you know, you yes. have one bill every month and you have about three weeks to pay it. Right, but no do you get a breakdown as to how much of it is electricity and how much is gas is what oh, I mean? Yeah, when, when they give them... But so far, I've received no benefits at all from any of these grants. Absolutely nothing. Wow. And I mean, I believed it was for the common person. And I believe the common person needs to get it. But you see, it's, it's not just for, as you call them, the common person. Everybody gets this, Everybody. even if you're a multimillionaire. Every citizen, I should say, yeah. not the common person, you know. Yeah. But this is winter, and we've had the coldest fortnight in the past fortnight so far. And I don't know how you would cope if you didn't have some type of heating on. And most people have a gas fire, they have gas central heating, and most other people have oil. But they are completely excluded, as am I. And I just think it is very unfair to people who paid your taxes all your life and you expected you'd get some little bonus now on top of, you know, something else and you'd have no worries. Yeah, because and this now, is a lot of money from taxpayers. Like 1.2 billion has been allocated for these supports. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's the big companies, are they have to hold the money, it's after being given into them. But they're using that as their investment rather than straight to one of my bills. It goes to the electric bill, it will not go to the gas bill. And I don't know if any other people know about it because I was shocked. I was absolutely right. shocked. And, and uh, forgive me, it might be just today I'm a bit dim, but are you telling me that they can't separate it and say, okay, we're taking that from the electricity side of your bill? No, no. She told right. me no. Uh, it's tied into a law when the money was given. And I actually rang my own daughter, who has, you know, a degree in law and things like that. And she said, no, ma'am, they can't do that. If it's allocated just for electric, that's it. Right, because I, I was reading through some of the data on this uh, this morning. And I know that even if you switch electricity suppliers, you're supposed to still get it. Yeah. Now, they suggested to me, as like they are a very nice company. I've had no trouble with them. And the girl couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. And she said, maybe if you switch. But no, I have investigated that now. And switching will not give you the extra benefit, say, electric. For me, electric is about light, my fridge, my washing machine, you know. And I thankfully, I don't have big bills with electric. I'd never used an electric heater for years because they were so expensive. Of course, yes, of course. And so people moved to gas and moved to oil because they were less expensive. And they have gone up enormously. But now, no, the government won't give you anything for that. And we, there is a big exclusion of citizens in the grants. Unless you have all electric, you're fine. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, coming into the winter, there's several people living alone. Uh, there's several people who, ha- who depend, you know, on heating. You know, there's so many people depending on it. But no, it's the government law. Okay, I'll tell you what we'll do, Therese, if you'd be available to us again soon. We, we'll try and find out what the story with this is, because I presume this is not just you. This this would affect an awful lot of people, I guess. You see, I, I always know what bills are coming. Yes. And I'm great with money. 
And I always have my money aside anyhow. You know, I pay my bills first thing. Yeah. And then I'm free after that. And so I opened the chest and I said, oh, gosh, there's no kind of credits here now or anything. That's very funny. And at 11 o'clock, then I rang the supplier and got this lovely girl. Couldn't be more helpful. And I, when I asked her about credits, I had over 350 in credits. Right. And but, she said, but, no. But they can't. got the money. They, they have. They, but they, they have can't pass money. it on to you. Yeah. Like it was meant for me. It's meant for everyone to know that it is on the lines. I'm sure everyone has some kind of an electric bill. Everyone. Yeah. And it's, it's really meant for the householder, you know. And it's not for the householder right. if you're heating or anything, if you have the other. All right, Teresa, will you leave it with us? Because we, we, we'll find out as much as we can about that. Because that sounds crazy. I mean, that sounds it, absolutely It doesn't crazy. make any common yeah. sense. I yeah. mean, people who have a bit of common sense would say, but like you're the same customer, the same resident. They have all my details, all my numbers, you know. And no. They, they, mm. She couldn't honestly do it for me. All right, Trace. Well, as yeah. I say, we'll get back to you on this and we'll see if we can find it because this is yeah. just something. Oh, okay. like thank you very Therese, much. look after yourself. Gurmeel Mahogut, thank you and bye bye to you now. That's it uh, for me for today. Emma produced, Ellie looks after her content. Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel. I'll speak to you tomorrow and uh, tomorrow we'll be coming to you live from our studio on Pier Street in Nina. Look after yourselves now. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.